edition of the draft in the NFL. And Steve Fezzik, who bets, used to bet maybe four or five draft props. Then he started betting 24 or 25. What's going to happen? Edition. Steve Fezzik. Also, AJ, the Rattler, Hoffman, McKenzie, NBA expert. Not quite an expert running the boards, but he does it. <laughs> Not Marj Bell. We've already recorded a nice chunk of things. A big, long political talk. AJ and something about he loved Walter, uh, Walter Mondale. It was weird. <laughs> and he wasn't afraid of Glock 19s. I mean, it's it's pretty That's interesting. A gun. And we have some draft talk, but we're going to start with draft talk. And we have a special guest that's been recorded, but we're leading the show, Fez, with the draft. It's here in Vegas. We could sit and pontificate about, oh, the NFL used to not even let us have a commercial, but now you're here. But at the same time, the NFL Network isn't allowing people to talk about odds or even go on shows to talk about odds. They're hypocritical, the NFL, and you know what? They don't give a care. I kind of respect it. The Vegas books also, hey, come to our city. You can't bet on the draft here hardly. Well, well but. it's not the book's choice. I mean, the 24 hours is the, the gambling commission. But the books have made the decision this year, and this is a major shift versus last year. The draft is not profitable. Booking the draft, the way they put up their odds in Vegas, is not profitable. And so some key books have made the decision not only – the Nevada Gaming Commission says, all right, we got to pull the plug Wednesday, 5 p.m., 24 hours before the draft. No more betting on the draft. But you know what the books have said? Se several of them, including Westgate and Circa, not only can you not bet late in the process, you can't bet early or medium in the process. We are not going to put our lines up on this draft until someone else sticks their necks out and all these numbers get massaged somewhat into place. Yeah, but only one, group, only one book can do the world opener. Fair enough, but Circa and Westgate waited until Monday. So you only have, what is that, 52 hours to bet the draft at those two books. They uh, they had two weeks, and they sat on the sidelines after the openers came up saying, nope, not going to put it up until it's absolutely hammered in place. And why? Emote, Steve Emote. And why? Because last year, Circa went crazy, and they put up hundreds of props. They put up props on, like, the number six and seventh quarterbacks to be taken. They made them, like, 144th in the draft over-under, and then they closed 97, and those dudes went, like, 97th, and they got murdered, probably for 100,000. I don't have the exact number, and I'm sure they had a big meeting and said, you know what, enough of that stuff. We are not going to just, like, let the wise guys buy themselves a new car with our draft numbers that are off next on when the music died <laughs> what was the name of that show when the music started no there's behind the music yeah behind the music mm. steve do you have any investments i'm assuming stocks right yes okay now, do you can you like do you have an do you buy any individual stocks or are you like I, a I, I have one person? I have one otherwise I'm an Give me an example. Person. Give me that one. Uh, it's um I'm trying to remember the name but you put, put me on the spot I've like bought and held it for like 5 years so Tesla? It is not Tesla. It's it's like a small like McDonald's. Brent Crow gave me a tip on it. I bought it. It's just, Brent Crow. <laughs> yes. 
Boy, I haven't heard that name in 20 years. Is he so handicapping? No. What's he do? He takes people out. He's he's a world champion uh, fisherman. He's won many, many tournaments. And so in Alabama, he takes people out on his boat and um, teaches them how to perform better and gives them, you know, and spends the day. Sexual performance? On a boat? Fishing. Fishing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know if he's catching cod or trout. I, it's not my area of expertise. No. Huh. Yeah, I never had a problem with him. I don't think. So, you got a stock. Let's call it stock XYZ. Okay, thank you. Or Acme, even, I think it might be. <laughs> now, if you own stock in the Circa... And they said, we're going to go to our biggest stockholder, Steve Fezzik, and get his thoughts. And they come to you and they say, let's have the conversation. Uh, you be you, and I'll be the Circa, or uh, what's his name? I forget. I interviewed Derek him. Stevens. Derek Stevens. Nice guy. Hard worker. Old school Vegas guy. Give him credit. Great guy. He's hanging out in the pool at Stadium Swim, shirtless, just having a great time. Yeah, he's a man of the Multi-billionaire. people. Multi-billionaire. Yes, man of the people. Well, I keep hearing his multi-billionaire. Where, where's, has that been assessed where? It has not. I, and multi is not accurate. I just hear billionaire. Let me clarify. I know, but I've heard that more in the last two weeks than I've ever. I never yeah. heard it once. What Did the, his PR agent put something out on that? It could be. Like, it does seem weird because all of a sudden I'm hearing that yes. now. I mean, which again, if he's a billionaire, you know, salute. But, you know, uh, huh, that's interesting. But I tell you this, he told a good story when the COVID was, I mean, because he was doing one of the biggest expansions in a long time, right when COVID hit. Yes. And he just kept barreling through. And I mean, to me, it's, it's you got to tip your hat, right, to the, the tenacity. Yeah, especially considering the failed projects, including Font Blue, remember, during yeah, the Great that, Recession. I mean, that was yeah, I was 2008 or nine. Right? Yes. Yeah, but I mean, in this case, it, it could have failed. It couldn't. He could have failed or not, but he kept working, mm-hmm. and and he said he made a point to come into the office every day, even though no one else was there. And you know, it, who knows what effect that had on his staff that allowed them to get through it? Sure, because they kept their commitment uh, two years ago to some of the guarantee, the guarantees in the contest, which it looked like they were going to really take a bath on, and they didn't. So I give them right. Well, they did take a bath. Actually, no, I thought, the one, I thought the, they never even got to an overlay. No, either. they got there was there was. Was that this most recent year? No, the year before. Oh, they are got you sure. Yes, they got smacked around. I, See, bo- Steve, I don't think that's true, Steve. Because remember, we were going to bet it, but come that Saturday, it was no. Like, it was with the Survivor. You know, it could have been. I'm sorry. Apologies. It was last year. The Survivor. That's what I'm they saying, they yeah. they guaranteed too much they, in they the tripled, Survivor. They tripled the guarantee. Or right. Right. So so it wound up being like 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 if they needed a thousand, if they yeah. needed like th- oh, yeah. three thousand, they got two thousand. But what something I'm saying, like that. when the COVID year, that it looked like a real disaster. He got they made that. it. You're right. Yeah. I, I remembered wrong. You you're correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just get. Listen, give the guy credit. Yes. Uh, I don't want to see him with a shirt off. Just necessary. Did he have a shirt on? No. Kind of like Ronnie Dangerfield? It's worse when, if I don't know what this guy is built like, but it's worse if you're a heavy set guy and you wear a shirt in the pool. You, you've been in Vegas how long? Since August. I mean, Derek Stevens, I, though. I've never met him. I've never been in a room with him. I know, but you've seen pictures of him, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, so you know what he's shaped like. Okay. I tell you what, with Circus Swim with all the girls there, I don't. I didn't focus much on his torso. Is that right? Yeah. Then why were you talking about him in the pool? 
because of the other people in and around the pool. But why did you mention him? Because he's a billionaire. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It all comes around. You know, I think Roddy Dangerfield and back to school. There will be an additional springboard installed for Melon's dive. He had a, he had a onesie. <laughs> yes, right. I appreciated that. You know, that's how <laughs> it reminds me of my mom. One time I was like six years old and I was looking at a picture of her when she was a kid on the beach. And I go, Mom, why do you got uh, a hat on? Like she had like a, uh, a latex like pull-down hat or mm -hmm. something. And she goes, oh, back then it was a law. It was a law that a kid had to wear that. What? And I looked and I go, Mom, none of the other kids have it on. She goes, oh, I never realized. <laughs> she was told it was a law and she believed it. Oh. I don't think it was. Okay. I'm going to be Derek Stevens. You're going to be Steve Fez, a consultant. Okay, uh, Fez, um, put the shrimp down. Okay. <laughs> Draft. It's an information-based game, and we don't, we can't compete with the thousands of batters. They're going to get it first, and they're going to be able to crack us for two or three limit bets before we really know what hit us. And when you add up those bets, we take big limits, you know that. You add up those bets, it's going to be hard for us to have a positive ROI. As a stockholder, what should we do? You should manage the loss and go ahead and still why, put why those... Why have any loss? Because of the great PR from... from we, all, get all, enough, we get enough PR. Yeah, and there's no if doubt. Anything, the, the fact that we're not doing it makes it PR worthy. Mm. I think the fact that having numbers up there mm -hmm. that people can bet on, though, and now all of a sudden nationally, like in, in, everywhere, they're talking about Circa. But they, they got the, they got, we got our numbers up. We just waited till Monday. Yeah, but we couldn't talk about that for the last two weeks. I don't think, I mean, it, not a lot of, you know, the thing you notice, I'm going to go out of character here. The thing you notice these days, not many people even quote books anymore. Like everyone, that, like I was so careful for so many years. If I ever used numbers, I would always quote the book and make sure everyone got credit. I haven't heard, unless it's a sponsor of a show. I've never heard a, a, a book quoted now, I think, in a year. You know, it's interesting because I just did a, a radio hit on, at Syracuse mm -hmm. this morning, mm -hmm. and they were quoting all these different lines, and they just got legalization in New York. So if ever there's a place, a show that would have been talking about, hey, this is from DraftKings or FanDuel or wherever they are getting these numbers from, they didn't mention one book. They're, like you said, they just threw it out like it was gospel, that everyone had it. Yeah, it, it, you know, so— Mackenzie, a caller from um, Chicago, has a question. Circus Sports has always been the player-friendly brand. You know, come here and bet your big sports. What's the question? Does this hurt that long term where we're talking about how they're not player-friendly in this particular instance? I'm going to answer like Mackenzie. Well, oh, wait. More breathing. More breathing. <laughs> I think that the book communicating that they're not in the business to buy Steve Fezzik a car is probably important. 
And that's the thing. You don't even have a good argument, Steve, is because the, Bovada will put up $50 lines and get the same amount of press. No one cares what the limits are. So they could accomplish what you wanted for 50 bucks. Yeah, but if I got a car, I would get it in circus colors. And I'd even no, put... No, but, but that's, your, that's you admitting defeat right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, I am. And, I, I mean, am. I, and you're, I, you're right, you're right. They, it's not their job to provide you a living. And they went so above and beyond last year, putting out props deep into the third round and even the fourth round, putting over-unders on guys that are like 179 and a half that no other book was even attempting to price. They really deserve accolades for like the, setting the bar so high last year. What, go ahead, AJ. I was just thinking, like, is the books, I mean, they're never scared when it comes to the Super Bowl, things like that. Why can't they, like, I feel like if you were the boss, you would say, if we lost last year, why why can't we do better? Why aren't we setting better numbers? I think it's all about information. Yes, it's predetermined. The Gatorade is purple. So if you put up a passing guards on the Super Bowl and you get it wrong, guy should be 260 and you make it 280, you're still going to be fine. The better's going to have a slightly the better of it. But an over-under and where someone should go in a draft, if it should be 150 and you make it 180, you lose. There's I'll, no variance. I'll give you an example. I rarely have ever chased steam, but right on straight out of Vegas, it was uh, it was the year with Herbs, and the word got out. I think that Herbs, what was it? Herbs was going first Tua straight up. Who goes yeah, first? but 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 no, because Tua got that. It was something about was it top five? It was something where it, it ended up cashing, and it was like pick them the day before, and that went to minus one sixty. Yes, and I gave it as a best bet at one sixty. Which I never do. Never. You was, would it, never give out like a baseball yeah. game. Hey, you know what? It, it was even now it's minus 160. No, but yeah. now go ahead and lay minus 160. I feel good about it. It but doesn't even matter doesn't. because it was almost a sure thing. Exactly. And thus, to me, that's, that's the thing. And I think Steve said it well, is if you got a good football side, that normal distribution is moved two points. And that's all you've got. And you're 55%, right? If you got the right side on information, it's almost a short thing. Well, if you got the right side, it's a short thing. And it brings up another point. It's all about not the wisdom of crowds, which is different, but it's all about all these individuals. And it only takes, so let's just say, let's say there was a national book. And let's say where you, it was one book in all 50 states, right? DraftKings. Let's same say. lines? Same lines. And let's say that, that there was like one little crappy AM station that in, in the country that was going to release one of 10 different pieces of inside information because it's going to be some agent says something. Right. So it's ran, like the chance of any of us right here or the circuit people being able to say, now how do we fan out and, and make sure we hear this as soon as anyone else hears it? It'd be impossible. They could hire no a, chance. They could hire a thousand people. It'd be hard to, to be monitoring all the. But if people are bad, if that station has 400 listeners, there's going to be 40 people that bet. Operator, they start calling all their friends. But, but even the first 40 that's betting a nice chunk, if it's going to get beat 10 different, anytime there's any information anywhere, it is going to hurt the books. How does a book compete with that? You can't. I don't think you can. Because unlike, if you've got good power ratings and the like, and there aren't any injuries, you, you, you arrive and you say, that's a good number. That number is, is sharpened up. But now we're just we're just guessing. We don't know. 
and all of a sudden there's, you know, Buffalo decides, hey, if this guy's there, we're going to take him. And that word gets out, and he can't fall further than that because that's who Buffalo's going to take for sure, and someone in Buffalo knows that, and word spreads. Yeah, I, I think it's because of the nature of the bat. Now, it does bring up an interesting point. I've got a theory that until you get to the week of the draft, that all you should do is look to fade. You should look to take the most out of favor, unless there's a fundamental reason they're out of favor. Someone gets hurt really badly, or they bad run, medical, like a five-one four. You know, it, but if it's just if it's just rumor and innuendo, I think you when when, when um. The guy's favored, you take the guy that's six to one. And then at some point, that six to one seems to be, fa- and you can have everyone in You some, can have a portfolio. Yeah. And sometimes you can have everyone at plus money. You know, if, if, I mean, think about it. if you could perfectly time the different major markets. So, what's the major markets right now, Fez? You have number one pick, right? Is yes. the major one. I, if you would have perfectly timed it, you'd have a nice portfolio right now. Yeah. Walker right? 20 to one. Yeah. Now, the question is, well, how do you perfectly time it? My point is you don't need to. Just say this player is now out of favor. I'm going to bet him. Maybe you bet Walker at 18-1 to 1 yeah, or 14 When to 1. Hutchinson was in favor, and this was long before anyone knew who was going to go first. This was just, you know, conjecture, media. The, the media making and the bookmakers setting openers, just random guesses pretty much. So to me in general, I think anyone that is viable – they're, that dog's going to have their day. Pick them off, get them at six to one, and see what happens. You know, I think. Do you agree? That I, I I agree, and I think that like with a month to go, three weeks, yeah, about a month to go, further out, even further out. Because in truth, that means that the favorite is even less secure. That's right. That's right. And they talk about like when you're measuring with a yardstick, and you've got like a yardstick hammered to the side of a table. Have you ever heard this? No. Go ahead. And so, and then it extends out. And mm-hmm. if you're measuring something like right next to the, and then you take it. And like you, 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 you go ahead and let it oscillate up and down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you measure something, so it's a yardstick outside the table. Yes, it's oscillating. Yes. So if you measure something really close to the table, meaning time-wise, like it's a day away, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty darn close. Okay. Okay. But when you go further and further away, like three, two feet away, mm. all of a sudden, <laughs> it's just random noise. You know, whether the yardstick's oscillating up or down, and in terms and, of what you're it's measuring, oscillating further one way than further the other. Yes. Which brings up, I think, a related point. Is power ratings are going to have be bunched up tighter early in the year, and they're going to get wider as the year goes. Oh, on. that's such a strong point because the USFL, for instance, so they start. We didn't know how good anyone was. We're still not sure, but everyone's odds were four to one to eight to one. That's it, it. It's a crapshoot. We're not sure who's good, who's bad. AJ hates the Pittsburgh Maulers, by the way. He Why? knew they stunk. Yeah, they're, they're no good. <laughs> <laughs> They're the coach that makes you eat They're, chicken it's, salad. It's dinosaur, uh, yeah, it's dinosaur football. It, the coach doesn't know how to handle his players. How's the team doing? Zero and two. Hmm. Hmm. The Maulers. They opened a three-point favorite. You know what's funny? This I, week, I was doing. Oh, okay. I've never, I've, I've never done field? this. I know it's in Birmingham. There's no home field. Okay. So I'm zero and two. What's the other team they're playing? Michigan. They're zero and two also. Uh, Michigan's not good. But 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 we talk about <laughs> they talk about setting openers. So Circa made the Maulers a three-point favorite. Mm-hmm. So I bet I never do this. I would never do this in the NFL. Two thousand dollar max bet. Okay. I bet plus three. Mm-hmm. Thirty seconds later, I bet plus two. Another two thousand. Thirty seconds later, I bet pick them. I bet what? Michigan three. Where's the line now? Michigan's favored by two and a half. 
Wow, so you were on the right side. Now, how soon after the open were you cracking at it? Right at the, I saw it pop up on so my screen. So you're actually, you're actually betting USFL opens three limit bets. Yes, and I can tell right. you, I'm the only guy who's doing that because, like, literally. Oh, hold on, you're the only guy did in that game. No, the, because the screen didn't move on any other game all for 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 24 the, here, here's hours. Here's the funny thing about Fez. I just said he didn't have to say. You are betting USFL openers with three limit bets. Now, that's about as good of an affirmation as you can get, right? He thinks for a second, he goes, that's not enough. He goes, I'm the only one doing it. Hot dogging and standing. (laughs) You, man. So let's finish the theory. So as the season progresses, you know, let's say NFL. NFL, maybe it's minus six plus six early in the year, maybe six and a half. And then it could get, you know, I've seen you have guys up to uh, Patriots at different points were up plus 10. Yes. Why? Because you're more certain of how good these teams are. New York Giants minus 12 and a half. They closed (laughs) at the end of the year. And when you're, when you're for, well, but if anything, that's kind of making the contrary point, though. I'm saying the, more, the later in the season, the more accurate the lines get, or at least the power ratings, the more confidence you can have in the power ratings. And you're saying, here's an example of the last power rating matchup that was so wrong, right? Well, versus the beginning of the year. No, but, it was, but, but it's supposed to be more accurate as the year progresses. Yes. But you just used an example of the Super Bowl that was, like, totally wrong. No, I, I was talking about the Giants this year, minus 12 and a half. That the, oh, Giants were twi- thought, the Giants were 12 and a half talk- points worse uh, than an average team, week 17, uh, one of the lowest rated. I although, thought you were talking about the, 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 plus the, 12 and a half in 2008. No. Super Bowl. That was the line. So I didn't communicate with well Oh, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have saw how that the, was. I, the line was 12 and a half, yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, I never really understood that until recently, you know, the idea of the, the greater certainty. Okay. Um, let's think about this a second. Okay. We talked about how we want to bet kind of contrary a little bit. We're no one's sure of anything, uh, way out. Way out. Even the teams aren't sure. Here is where I think there's a bigger opportunity and it's to come. If you get the A guys, and I mean the guys that are, that are connected personally, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Schefter. Um, obviously Jeremiah Piper. Peter Schrager, you're thinking of? Maybe? I don't think Schrager. I think Schrager's connected, but I think he's going to be hit or miss. Like he'll have probably three or four picks that he's the only one that's got it, but we won't know which three or four it is. Mm. It's one of those things. So I think in general, what I'd like to do is with Kuiper, McShay, Jeremiah, and we can listen. People, you know, I don't know who is the most. I mean, I'm talking about the people. Now, you've got a friend that uh, you used to work with in Houston, well-respected guy, uh, Lance Zerline. Zerline, well-respected, knowledgeable guy. He Zerline's not moving markets, right? Um, uh, but though he, I will say, give him credit, he's emerged more recently. So a month ago, a month before he became the favorite, Lance had asked me what the odds were on Trayvon Walker being the number one pick. So out of nowhere, he says, hey, here's some guy no one's talking about. And he's saying, what's the odds? You know, (laughs) hint, hint, there's a possibility he's hearing things. Yeah. And at the time, it was plus 1,200. And he said, whoo, it's mighty juicy. Hmm. Hmm. I... Listen, he watched – I mean, he's very knowledgeable. He, he flew out to Vegas in the summer, and we met, and he was showing us a lot of things. And to me, it was very insightful. Um, 
I would say this. Mackenzie, keep that list up. Uh, so here's who you... Now, how did you... Why don't you present... Why did you pick these guys? Because I, I, it looks like a pretty good list. What's your thinking? Well, last year we went through it. We went through more than these lists, and we looked at uh, some... I'm asking why you picked these guys. I had the list from last year. We looked at consensus rankings of the most recent mock drafts. Okay, so, been we, so we came up with this ourselves. Yes. Okay. And... Uh, you know something? I, I, I feel like we should maybe be putting this out. This feels like uh, something people would benefit from. May I make a suggestion on this? Yeah, yeah. I don't consider any of this to be worthwhile that's a week old. If it's if it's a week old or, or more, mm -hmm. it would be the equivalent. Imagine if— So here's the thing I'm going to explain that we're doing with it, and you can tell me if you agree, mm -hmm. is if you have an elite guy— and let's just for now say that Kuiper, McShay, scroll across there. Um, okay, there you go. Uh, and I say Jeremiah and Breer. Well, Breer, I don't think he's a draft guy. But here's the thing. It, Breer and King and Schrager are all in the same category. I'm just not sure when they know something. But here's what I would say is how you could tell. Find a situation where they ha they have to have multiple prior drafts, right? So Jeremiah hasn't done a draft since March 22nd? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That might be harder with him, but let's look at McShay. Oh, Kuiper did one on the 13th, right? Okay. Yes. Now, tomorrow he comes out with one. I like where you're going. Wherever there's someone that hasn't been there before, because, like, Kuiper's done four or five or six or six, I think ten. If, if he's rotating someone back in, like Steelers are taking the quarterback, now they're not, now they are, Carolina's taking the quarterback, it doesn't mean anything. Or it doesn't mean as much to me. But when he comes out, because he's got to pick someone, you know, in that spot. But when someone comes out of nowhere, they got information. I agree. And it makes sense, too. If I've been saying that uh, Charles Cross is going to go eighth, in my last five drafts, and there's no real change, okay? And now I'm thinking— oh, it's alternating between two guys. Yeah, right it's been between seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth. It's like, yeah, there's no there's no reason to confuse everybody and change him if I don't know anything. Well, it's but going to be your best guess unless something's it, changed. That, that's right, but there's no reason for me to change it if I really don't know. I may yeah. as well be consistent exactly. with what it was previously. Now if I make him fifth, guess what? I just got the memo. Mm -hmm. Yep. I agree. And you can find five or six clear spots, I think, a draft where that last one, and, and it's all about the relative. It's not that they got so-and-so at six. It's who did they have at six before? Is this guy out of left field? Yeah. The Baker Mayfield thing, when he went one, was the same thing. That morning, Baker was supposed to go sixth or seventh, if I recall. Boom, he's at one at a couple. It's like info. It was that way with Mario Williams because mm -hmm. everyone in Houston. that draft was ready. Reggie Bush or Vince Young, there was a big argument. Who should the Texans take? And then about two weeks before the draft, they were like, Mario Williams, that's their guy. Huh. And everybody's like, what? Mario Williams? And just sure enough. Yeah, and in and, and that case, you were in Houston, and it, you had the connection. I think here, these new – I mean, in the next I, – I was actually in Austin at the time oh. It was because Vince was being drafted, but I, I, I remember that pretty same vividly. Thing. Yeah, 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 Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the, the same um, – to me, it's the next, what, 36 hours these draft, you know, they're going to put out their final ones. And, you know, 
to me, this is uh, almost, I don't want to say a short thing, but I think if you find four or five of these, it's going to be hard to lose. I agree. So the rare case, just reiterating, uh, we have a guy over under five and a half, for instance. Mm -hmm. I pick him either side. And he goes to the under minus uh, 180. And then you're looking and all of a sudden, Two or three of these guys suddenly have this guy going fourth or fifth that previously they had him going sixth and seventh, for instance. I think that's pretty darn strong information. And I don't think you're afraid too much of modest or even more than modest line moves. You don't want to go crazy with it. But the books operate the same way they typically do, which is, well, let's move it. Let's move it. But like you said, if it's a, if it's a binary, it's a zero or a one it's kind of hard to move it enough to make it not juicy anymore. Exactly right. And and it's really difficult for a book. I can tell you, like, so I made a limit bet at Cirque. I can't remember what player it was, all right? I thought they weren't taking enough for your liking. Well, they finally put up on Monday. Dime limit. Very. That's fair, you know? So I, I laid a dollar. Glad t- you approved. I laid a dollar <laughs> ten, and boom, they made minus 145, just on my bet. Okay, so I could play. I could immediately turn right around, and play the other the other way, and scalp in a profit. And I think that's proper bookmaking. That they say, you know what, we got to move aggressively on the first bet we take on the numbers we're putting up there because we're getting beat by the by these betters. And you can't move the number. You can't take a five. If someone plays under five and a half, you can't go four and a half because for for all you know, that player's going fifth, and you're going to get middled if you move off of the number. So you know how I do translations on SOV. Yes, oh, I'm going to do a translation Thank you. now. <clears throat> I'm Steve Fezzik. When I bet, markets move. <laughs> I like money. <laughs> Does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, what, can we get through the rest of the pod without you telling us about moving markets? Yes. I love it because that means you're hot. And, and, and you're, you're, it's funny. How did you like that USFO game enough to make the third bet? Like, how sure could you be about what, what was your number? I made Michigan a two-point favorite. So why would you put a third bet in at Pickle? Because because we t- we actually on our podcast. I don't think you were in at when when mm-hmm. AJ and I talked about it. And we said, what did we say about Pittsburgh? What were they clearly in the league? They were the worst team in the league. And regardless the team- of that, the, the, you're saying the line should be minus two. There, and yeah, there's Pick'em. no way Pittsburgh can be Pickham. They're the worst team in the league. Yeah, if the line's supposed to be minus two, it's not Pickham. But is there enough value to put your third? The, the thing is, it's not because it's been moved twice. It's you're taking your third bite at the apple. Maybe I wanted to thump my chest a little bit with that Pickham bet. But I just felt like there's no way you can make Pittsburgh the favorite. They have to be the underdog. So now, though, if you had to bet at no vig, you'd bet Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, because so, they're catching two and a half. So if it goes to three. It did go to three. So are you going to buy it back? I played back some, yeah. Damn, Billy Walter style. He didn't beat his chest about that, though. No, that I mean, that's even, I mean, to <laughs> me, that's even more impressive. I mean, you know, Steve, if we wait around, Steve might say something, but, you know, we'll, we'll beat him to it. Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. Well, in the USFL (laughs) openers. All right. No, I'm impressed. I mean, the third one was ballsy, I guess. You know, if you had your pillars, you would know not to. I'm I'm violating every rule. Like, yeah. Speaking of that, let's double. So, Mackenzie, have you? I. I mean, you. You're doing a good job on this. Uh, Have you eyeballed? Anything that looks like you, we got an uh, insight now, even, recording here on Tuesday? No, I've just been surveying. 
Okay. So why don't you do this? Every time a draft comes out from one of these guys, send us by on the email thread, send us the prior, all prior drafts we have. And, um, and then the most recent one and identify anything you think is noteworthy for sure. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, we've done this two drafts before excellent record. Every time we've note, we've identified these late movers unexpectedly. Yeah. And, and do we have the exact record? I could pull it up. Yeah. Um, so Fez, how about this is you're getting a dime off on these, uh, pretty easy. Yes. How about this? How about we'll take, uh, the, the pregame office team will take, if we send you these and you play them, go nickel each, and we'll, we'll take a nickel. I'll go three, one, and one if you got. You want 100 of these? AJ, if, sure. you, don't want, if you don't, I'll take it. Are we I'll talking about USFL or no. the draft? Focus. Are you listening oh. to the show? I am. Focus. No, wait, the pregame team's going to take a dime, and now we're going to we're, we're chopping but, up that dime. Yeah, RJ's going to take 300. Yeah. There's 700 left, and we're going to give you what you want. No, you, no, no, no. Give him 100. We'll give you 100. Give, give Mackenzie 100. Mackenzie, you want 100, right? Most definitely. And you take a nickel. You're the one That's moving the, it. That, that is awesome. You know, we had a situation come up this morning mm-hmm. on a player that moved dramatically just okay. this morning. So Quay, tell the story. Quay Walker is a guy that's been sitting on, like, 38. All right? He's been 38 for a while. All right, He's deep in his draft when he's talking to someone. I, I, I don't even know who he is. All right, uh, he's Linebacker a, from Georgia. Linebacker from Georgia. So and now everyone, apparently, like, in the past 24 hours, is talking about how this is, like, the, a real playmaker, first-round talent. A lot of people are saying, you know what? I think he can go in the first round. And I caught this on some podcast, and, like, I listened to today, but I was unaware of it. What I was aware of, I looked at the sharp books. i like, what is going on with Quay Walker? I wake up this morning. He's not 38 anymore. He's 32 with two of the sharpest books. So immediately I start, you know, surfing around quickly. I want to bet Quay Walker under. Mackenzie, what did we find on Quay Walker bets you made today? I saw that where I bet it. It was 37.5 minus 150. As soon as I got back to the office, looked at a couple books, it was – favored to go under 31 and a half at different books. So we picked off the under 37 and a half on Quay Walker early this morning. So how do you price a slot in the draft? That's a good question. Like since wise, right? Yeah. Gosh, I'm not sure. But I think when, when you're talking about like a number 37, mm-hmm. I would say it's, pr- I would probably pay 20. I'd probably pay 20 cents for a half slot. And where do you get that from? I got, Pure God, God instinct. God instinct. Now, what do you think, more or less? I don't know. I Maybe guess. that's a little high, 15 cents? Well, let's think about this now. Um, Obviously, th- if it was an eight and a half, it would be worth a ton more. Well, the first question would be, you can't really assess it unless you know what the distribution, like what is yeah. an, what is a standard deviation? I'm not uh, even sure. I, I can give you an idea because today I actually I, I gave out a bet of a, on a player under 37 and a half. I could have had that same bet for him to go in the first round, so 32 or better. So at, at 32 or better, he was plus 135. At under 37 and a half, he, he's uh, plus 105 to be under 37 and a half. So I, I'm sure you can do the math on that, Fizz. Yeah, but we're not sure. Both these markets aren't necessarily liquid. Yeah. One of them, but And plus – I, think, I was just thinking that was from the same book, no. so maybe that gives oh, you an idea. Oh, it's the same book. The same book. Had you know, that looks, both, I mean, the props. under 37 half 
plus 105 looks so much more attractive yeah. than than under 32 and a half plus a crummy 135 That's, unless it was sure, a, unless it was sure. a quarterback cuz quarterbacks tend to go 30 seconds. I settled on mm. the 37 and a half. I mean, I, that's my best bet for the pod if you want me to just go ahead and give it now, RJ. No, we'll wait. Okay. No, you, uh, it's on this pick? On this pick. Yeah, okay. But hold on a second, Steve. Um, did you hear the debate on SOV about about the um, 50-year option? Yes, I did. I'm not – I mean, can you answer that question? When's the last time a team with a quarterback benefited from having the 50-year yeah, option? Yeah, I could not. So I'm not sure people believe that anymore. And the theory being that you either know after three, because you got to pick that fifth year before year four. All right, so Daniel Jones, you've got to pick his fifth year before this season starts. Mm-hmm. So if you have a Josh Allen, now Lamar Jackson, you could say he's not signed, but it's because they have the indulgence of this year. But it's still, it's weird. And he's his own agent. Who knows what's going on? With Lamar or or with the bank or I'm sorry with the Ravens with this, but in general you either know enough to sign him to a contract, a la Mahomes, a la Allen. Right. That they what did they get in their fourth year? Typically, right before no, the fourth after year? the third after year. the third before the fourth year. Yeah, that's yeah. the early. And mm-hmm. then if yep. you wait to for the fourth year, usually you aren't you don't want them for the fifth year option at 23 million in today's dollars. Yeah. Sam Darnold being an example Oof. of that. Yeah, I was thinking about after the show, I was thinking about maybe the last time that came into play, Jameis Winston. Yeah, so the fifth year was the year he threw 30 interceptions? I think no, so. no, I'm not it doesn't change. It maybe. No, I'm just saying no, I'm just it's been a long time either way. You gotta wonder if if Winston would have if they would have exercised that option. I mean, you know they wouldn't exercise Sam Darnold now. No. So it's like the weird thing is when it's a close call. Uh, did, it seems to go against it. Did People the Titans get, sunk cost? Did the Titans do Tannehill early? Well, it wasn't the Titans. It was or the, the, Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins. I don't think they did, right? Because I don't think he played five years. They let him go before year five, yeah. didn't they? I think. I, can you check? Did he play four or five years with the Dolphins? Yeah, let me check that. Um, now, what else is interesting? Steelers have a safety. Edmonds, I think, is his name. Tremaine Edmonds. Okay, he was picked. Was it Virginia Tech? I believe so. Yeah, so he was picked. I didn't like the pick at the time, but end of the first round. And he just signed fifth year for the Steelers for like $2 million. So they didn't exercise his option, Mm -hmm. and he re-signed with that team. So the idea that if you don't exercise the option, the team's like saying, F you, I think that's over Hmm. at this point. And... um. You know, there's just a realistic that that's a premium offering at 20, you know, based on your position. And a lot of players are going to be respected, but not, they don't, if the fifth year option is only going to be with superstars, they're probably going to be signed anyway. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. So, but I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem like those slots are worth enough there. And I got it wrong. It's Terrell Edmonds. Tremaine is his brother that plays for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Terrell is the one that plays for the Steelers. And where were they playing? Both college? played Virginia Tech. You're right. Okay. Um, Wait, that I was just hearing about that Beamer uh, has his son is coaching. Is it is it Oklahoma? I think, but they were talking about his sons are really good. That, that what Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech, Shane Beamer. Uh, well, Frank Frank was the old coach. Yeah, exactly, Shane's yeah. his son. Yeah, and where's Shane at? Okay. Uh, he is the head coach at South Carolina. Huh. Really? Yep. And does he have another son? I, he was a coordinator somewhere big. They were just talking about how- he was he was at Oklahoma until he got the oh, South Carolina job. Oh, when did he get job. this job? Uh, twenty twenty one. Oh, but they were just huh? Okay, I must have misheard that. Uh, 
anyway, well, I saw when Kansas made the uh, Orange Bowl, they played Virginia Tech. Mm. And they won. Mackenzie still has my watch somehow. <laughs> He's got an Orange Bowl watch, and it's like he beat me in a poker game or something. All right, Fez, um, here's what I would do to figure out the slots. Let's think about this. I think the 95% confidence, I'm going to come up with a number of slots I'm going to need to be 95% confident. You come up with it, too. Um, For someone who's 37? But uh, no, I'm saying anyway. Other than the very top of the draft. All right. So, but, yeah. but, so obviously, the bigger the number, the more. But Aaron Rodgers was close to going one. Yeah. But he was the exception. Yeah. So, but in general, other than the very top of the draft, I'm gonna. I'll guess first when you're ready. I'm gonna guess if you give me, if you give me 14 slots, I'm gonna be 95 percent confident. All right. I'm gonna go. I need more slots. 14? Are you talking about like in the first, second round? As we just said, everything except the top of the draft. But I'm saying like round seven, I think 14, no, 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 there's yeah, no yeah, way yeah, you're yeah. going to be 9 No, I agree. If yeah, a dude's, we're talking first. I mean, okay, that's what I was asking. Like how yeah. far If back? a dude's supposed to be 37th, I, I, I would say 27 to 47. I'm 95%. Plus or minus 10. No, and I think I think AJ's bringing up a great point. As you move past. So I w- would you agree um, from the first round from number eight on, would you take my 14? I think if it was, yeah, let me think about that. So if it's like the 10th pick, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to go between the 5th. and Mm -hmm. I think he's going to go between. So it would be the 5th and 19th. 5th to 15th, I'd be very. All right, so I'm saying 14. Yeah, so I like. like, 95% confident. I I, I, I like your number. Just to give an example of a bet I made, I I, I bet 10 to win a dollar, a lot. So I'm not going to come in anymore if it loses because I'll be broke. But Sauce Gardner. I bet he'll be a top 10 pick, all right? He's projected to go fifth right now. I cannot see any scenario he doesn't go top 10. I tell you, Fez, have you read The Black Swan? I've heard about the, the concept. You need to that, read this book yeah. because the entire premise of it is that things that seem to never happen happen more often than we realize. And that you are, uh, you're, uh, and what this dude did, and he's one of the great minds, I think, of the, uh, you know, of this time, because of other things. But he sat there. He's a guy that did anti-fragile too. Was a book he wrote. Ooh. Is he sat there, and every day he bet like two thousand and one shots in his hedge fund that this crazy stuff was going to happen. Never going to win. Yeah. yeah. And he just sat and waited and lost. Like, it was, he was betting. It was such so out of the money stuff that he was only losing like maybe. 900,000 a month when he would lose. And this was a, a big hedge mm-hmm. fund. And finally, when he hit, they got like $8 billion and just packed up. What the big that. short was all about, right? They did that uh, yeah, that was, that was an example of it for sure. Um, and, 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 and that's a case where there was correlation, which is what every kind of like in the election we were talking about. So in general, be careful with those jumps. If you lose, if you, if, if you lose Ohio, then you can lose Pennsylvania, and then, then you can lose Florida, and you could, you, you could lose Texas. Well, yeah, <laughs> Texas is solid. Is, um, oh, so he played for Miami for six years. So how did they franchise? How did that happen? He was a first-round pick, right? Yeah. So how do you? There was that Jay Cutler year where Tannehill was hurt before the season. They brought in Jay Cutler. But what kind of contract did he sign? That's that's just a weird combination. Um, Okay, so uh, oh oh okay, excellent. So in 2021, our pregame identified late movers, three and zero. That's perfect, AJ. 
And in 2020, when all volume went up because it was nothing going on, and Fez had to bet 20 props. <laughs> I mean, his average was like three, but he might have had to get a job if he didn't have an inflow. He bet like 18. Went He went 15 and three. On the 2020, we went eight and two, unrelated to Fez. So I'm going to just do some quick math. That's 11 and two. That's over 60%. That's strong. Easy. Right, McKenzie? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. All right. And it looks like the, the Dolphins signed him to his second contract after four years. And oh, then, so there wasn't even a 50-year nope. option at that point. All right, so what I'm going to do is as we release our draft stuff, or as we bet it, I'm going to put it out on my Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. So check it out. I'll, tr- I'll do it. I usually don't do it when I say I will, but I'm going to do it this time. I don't want to talk about this score, but – Lordy B, is this a big little end of the game, isn't wow. it? Wow. That was a blowout. We won't talk too much. Well, I mean, it won't give anything. We're, we're at the end of this Grizzlies T-Wolves, and it's tight. And uh, <laughs> For the first time all game, it's tight. Well, that's what winners do. Teams like the Grizzlies do. Okay, so before AJ's best bet, let me ask you this, Fez. Assuming for each of the rounds we're going to have a range, 14, then it goes up to 20 for two, let's say, is now we should be able to reverse engineer that if – that equals 95% confidence. What's going to equal one standard deviation? Because 95 is two standard deviations, right? Yes. So we should, Mackenzie, we should be able to reverse engineer and know what, how much each, uh, eventually know what each slot's worth, right? I believe so. I'm not, you know, I don't want to get my calculus book out. The, the, the one exception would be that the first round is not, you know, a binomial distribution or a Poisson distribution or a normal distribution because you have situations where... Well, first, I think we should start with a binomial. Uh, yeah. that, that's one of two possibilities. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, fair enough. But, but there's certainly situations, circumstances like Carolina. It, it, a player's either going to go six to Carolina or they're going to fall to 12. We don't know. Example. But, 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 but you're there's the a good that's chance. just telling me how valuable eight, nine, and ten was for... Well, we were saying that, like, if they mm. fell into a six through 13 bucket that half the time they're going to fall into the sixth bucket, that's not going to be a, a statistical distribution we're going to be able to do but, to but, see very but often. I think the range is going to be enough. I don't think there's many that, that there's a 14 point or 14 slot swing. Exactly. And I think once you get out of the top 20, I think it's but I'm, all. I'm saying, I'm saying even in the top 20, mm. it's not as if one team's going to take it somewhere and then the next team's going to be like 20 slots later. Uh, unless it's like a Larry, a Larry I agree with, with what you well, said. Larry Tunzel has nothing to do. He had a gas mask on. Well, yeah, someone could fall. Yeah, they could break their just leg. Like, just like that quarterback or the cornerback that you're betting big money that he's going to be in the top 10. He could be caught with the mass too. That's true. But you feel pretty confident. How much were you laying there? So I was, I, I got like 12,000 to win a thousand and a little, some change. It's not that much. <laughs> Why keep here the rest of the island? Oh my God. This guy. <laughs> I mean, listen, the thing about Fez is when he's going bad, he, he seems he's a hang dog. Like you kind of start feeling sorry for him when he's going good. He's unincorrigible. Unincorrigible. No, no, you're incorrigible. It's the same thing. You haven't used it before. <laughs> it's, it's like you're hard to put up with. Look at well, Mackenzie. Look it up. Kind of like the guy, the guy that goes to like I mean, the, you, the high I, school reunion. The guy who goes to the high school reunion. He pulls up in a Bentley and he's incorrigible. Yeah. all night. I've yep. never, I've never read it. Not 
being able to be corrected, improved, or reformed. You just heard that. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> but but in a way, you got to be red hot because I've I, I, in like almost ten years, I've never seen you this confident throwing around numbers thrown around you know like uh two dimes two dimes two dimes rat a tat tat it's been i put an open order out it's been good <laughs> and clients clients are up over 50 units already year to date so do me a favor get yeah. get that bankroll nice and solid baby because it's gonna hey you know how it goes you know the old saying um okay let's do age okay i was just gonna tell him a, a terrifying story uh, that happened this weekend. There was a guy who bet twelve thousand dollars on a minus twelve hundred fighter in the UFC, and he eye gouged the guy and got disqualified. About as big of a favorite as you'll ever see in the UFC. Well, I'll have to hope Sauce Gardner doesn't get into a UFC fight that I lay twelve to make one. Then <laughs> you better hope he doesn't sprain his ankle walking up the. Uh... I do. I do think that, that, that you're getting a little like you like the whole like i always say during the super bowl bet like a bookie mm. right but remember the bookie's getting it at much better numbers you know this, this almost reminds me I, I i want sauce gardner to stay healthy and out of trouble what was the clint eastwood um movie deadpool <laughs> it might have been deadpool, deadpool where, where 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 like he literally he's worried that the bad guys are going to come after him mm-hmm. all right and then and like he bribes someone the, the person in prison that's out to get him he bribes like the the cellmate next to him he's like if anything happens to me my buddy charles is going to take care of you because i'm giving him two two stacks of cigarettes every week you know and then clint eastwood later in the movie he sees he's being followed and he's like, what are you guys trying to pull? What are you doing? Did, did, did Guido send you uh, to, to get me? And they're like, no, Guido hired us to protect you. We want to make sure you stay okay because Guido doesn't want that animal to tear him apart in prison. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on that delivery. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. You know how confident he is. He just told that story. <laughs> I mean, and he's saying Guido. I mean, it wasn't Guido. Was <laughs> oh, my gosh. This Grizzlies game. Woo, dog. I'm not going to say any score. Stay out of overtime. <laughs> All right. So let's do a best bet from Mr. A.J. Hoffman. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. A.J. Steen. All right. I'm going... Bernard Raymond, under 37 and a half, plus 105. So under means? Before pick 38. Uh, And Bernard Raymond is an Austrian exchange student who came here and played football for Central Michigan, was a tight end during COVID, switched to tackle, was the second highest graded tackle on PFF last year, extremely versatile, can play tackle or guard in the NFL, and teams love the idea that he's only scratching the surface of his potential. He's a physical freak, grew up a wrestler, and has just wowed everyone. Only allowed 10 pressures all season long last year. And in an era where everybody's using their first pick on upside, upside, and even talking about Trayvon Walker, that's the kind of what we're talking about, his upside versus Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, not many have more than him. I've heard that the Cowboys and the Patriots both very interested in Raymond for their first-round pick. Uh, so Bernard Raymond under 37.5 will be my best bet. Okay. And has there been any line movement in this? Uh, there's been 
since I mean, it's been a while since the first market came out. Mm -hmm. He was projected at it, it, his early, earlier number was plus 46 and a half or mm -hmm. under 46 and a half. And lately, has there been any move in the last three or four days? No. Okay. And you spoke with. I spoke with Lance. And picked his brain. Yep. And is there anything else? So he that, liked him in the first round. I thought that the number felt better getting so the bet, extra What picks. did you bet it at? I bet under 37.5 plus 105. I like that better than plus 135 for him to mm. be in the first round. I All agree right. strongly. Yeah, I agree too. All right. So any one or two other things from Lance uh, or other things you've heard that, that you want to hit us with? Uh, we talked about it on the podcast today. He, he says, whatever you think, whenever you think a quarterback is going to go, they're probably going to go later than you think. Uh, he, he said that most, most teams have looked at these quarterbacks. Nobody sees a, a franchise changing quarterback. There are still people who could be uh, sold on to Malik Willis, but certainly not as a, a next year guy. So Kenny Pickett, I like over Matt Corral. I like over uh, these are the, the, the quarterbacks are going to go hot later than you expect them to. So you can play Malik Willis over 10 and a half. You got a lay minus 170. 10 and a half is the best number. I think that's good. Pick it over 12 and a half. I don't like that. Pick it over 12 and a half might be the safer bet. Where's the end? Like, this is what I got to bring up to you, Faz. And I don't want to be like the port. I don't want to portend bad things, but I don't believe that things can be as easy as the assumptions are that they are. And we talked about this last week. Now, listen, your results have been outstanding. Um, your instincts are great. You have as good instincts, if not better, than anyone in the business of betting sports, is you can just sniff something out new and, and, and you got a great feel for it. But when I ask you, explain to me, like, imagine if someone, let's do this role play again. And imagine I'm a guy that's going to you in almost like a shark tank. Mm -hmm. It's like, for I, I got a system, I got an approach I want you to fund. And I walk up and I say, well, have you ever heard of Mel Kuyper? <laughs> uh, what I do is I look at Mel Kuyper and his cohort Others like him. And when they release the draft, within a day or two, I'll get around to looking at it. And then I'll say, what's the average? Or I could go to grindingthemocks.com, I think it is. And if the market's off from that, I think Mel Kuyper's right. And I bet. What would you say? Or, But not in that, because I think you like that. But... <laughs> If I said, I go, um, I have a college basketball system. Have you heard of Jeff Sagarin? Mm. I go there. Now, he has his golden mean ratio, and he's, I, I take a blend of that. Like, don't get frustrated. I'm trying to help the audience here. And you're going to say what? You say, how could that win, right? I would. So why is this any different? The it's just as simple. The reason this is different, I believe I've evolved on this. Because initially, you're right, even last year, I was telling you about just follow these mocks and look at the movement. Now, not only do the mocks need... Ah! <laughs> oh, shit. Make the next free throw. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not even going to look. Uh, <laughs> not only... The mock drafts have to be lining up, but I, I'm looking at the sharpest books, the ones that are moving first, and I'm looking at their line moves as well. And they have to agree with what these so mock what drafts are. What you're saying are. is, what I've been poo pooing for two years, 
you've won that, but even you are poo-pooing without the additional signal. That's correct. See, McKenzie, have the courage of your convictions. Think about it. Steve Fezzik's on the hottest streak, he, one of his hottest streaks of his life. I mean, he did win two super contests. So, you know, hottest, one of the hottest streaks of his life. What was your record two years ago in the draft? It was three, three and zero, oh, but I was seven. Like I was no, like two fif- years ago, fifteen was like and, two. and two. Yeah, it was like right? fifteen and two, seventeen and two, something like that. Yeah. So why would you say three and zero? Oh? I'm asking. Three what and zero oh on ba- the. Oh, my you? own bets. I believe fifteen and two was the number. Okay, and what was it last year? I made so many of them last year. And how profitable was it? Very. I won two thirds of my bets. Okay, so like you got seventy five percent over like forty bets. Yes. You're as hot as you've ever been. Yes. You've made a living. You haven't had a straight job this century, pretty yes. much. And I say, Steve, I think you're in a losing situation. And somehow I'm, you come around to agree with me. Yeah, that's what we saw. What you it's going to change in just a moment. Oh, oh that's good. good. That's good news. And the change better not be an OT written by him. <laughs> Well, I think I'm. I think I'm but not. What, what I'm saying is, is you see how I'm I was such to you. an underdog. Yes, I'm not. I'm not resting on my laurels, and I'm. 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 I'm bringing it to that next level. That takes a lot of. I mean, for someone that hot, you know, ego would say just like, hey, I must know something. And, and just last week, if you recall, my best bet was Kyle Hamilton, the Notre Dame safety, mm-hmm. over nine slow, and a half. Slow forty. Slow poke. Well, now he's eleven and a half, and believe me. No one's in any hurry to bet Kyle Hamilton. He wasn't in a hurry to go Tutton. <laughs> no, you know he can be, he could beat Steve Atwater at a race. Apparently, Steve Atwater was big. That's the only safety that's had great success. That's you know, slower than him, unless you count Derwin James. You can tell this story one day, Mackenzie. I just had a theory. I wanted to run it by you. Go ahead. I think Fezzik's humility in the last five minutes single-handedly saved what looked like what was going to be a terrible beat. In a certain game we were paying attention to, but I have good news for you, Fez. You're a winner. That's Under. what the clients go to ten and three. That's all that's important. <laughs> now, closing line value under two thirty three. I don't believe that the, the the NBA game was affected by what Steve said here at the pregame offices. No. <laughs> but what I believe is that whatever you think is motivating Steve, it is subordinate to his love of money. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ego, yeah, he's got it, but he got it less than his. He loves money, right? It's true. <laughs> Grizz, baby, and the Grizz go up three right. to two. That was my bet. John Morant, John Morant, with one second on the clock. I shot. thought he wasn't a. Closer. How many points did he go for? Thirty. I think he had twelve. His over under twenty. Well, his over under was twenty nine, right, Mackenzie? What we got to upgrade him four points, right? <laughs> yeah. He's clutch. If you if you bet him under, you were entering the fourth quarter thinking you had no chance to lose, and then he has one of the great fourth quarters of a young player. You, you know, you know these final couple seconds also, RJ. When Tatum, when Boston won Game One, someone I think it's Marcus Smart went over assists with that pass to Tatum. <laughs> I know that. How how unlucky are you if you bet him under? Now, right now. Last longer, Golden State or Phoenix? Who do you got as a favor? Because, I mean, obviously the Grizzlies are very likely to. I'm going to take Golden State. Still. Phoenix has to figure out a way to get out of the first round without Booker and with Chris Paul, who always seems to lose under you do realize, unlucky circumstances. You do circumstances. realize when, when in a seven-game series, when the clearly better team splits the first like, you got to now win two out of three, and you're the worst team. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen. Very, I mean, 2-2 two, two is very common. It's true. There's I, actually a stat. Eight times the number one seed has gone 2-2 two, two with the eighth seed. 
eight and zero so far. Mm. Yeah, I, I, that, and that that really good Boston team that won it all in the first round. They were playing Atlanta. And that game went seven, two, I mean, two. I, I, mean, I remember Celtics couple with their titles back in the, I mean, Bird's era. It'd be two, two. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, in five games. I mean, what I'm saying is that that game seven is the one you got to win, mm-hmm. and and it's just like you're gonna go into into Phoenix and beat Chris Paul in a game seven. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Especially with that money man counting out those hundred dollar bills. So you know, I don't know. Okay. Let's talk a minute about your thinking, though, because my thinking is it can't be that easy. That's just in general. If it's easy, I'm skeptical. Is that what what drove you to reconsider and and have one more signifier? You know, the hitman is really good at this. Okay. And, you know, this is one of the things that he does is that when when he's maniacally following all these Twitter feeds and everything else of people, but, you know, he also monitors the books and what and mm-hmm. and and I and I've spoken to him about it and just. But, but hold on a second, you almost invented the uh, idea, at least mainstreamed it. My question is, and I want to have this be a teaching moment. You had a system that was winning; it seemed rudimentary to me. You've now made the system more complex. It has a safeguard in it. And just to be clear, before it was, what's the consensus? And this is simplifying a little bit. What's the consensus out there with the mocks? And I trust that more than I trust the market. Yes. Okay. I, I, that scared the hell out of me. Okay. You were winning like crazy. Even so, you've now added an element, another requirement to fire on a, a mock that is saying one thing and the odds are saying another, what led you to adding and explain exactly what you added? What led me to add it was your concerns about, I'm, I'm like, please God, these mock drafts, let them win, you know, without any real proof that they would or long-term history or the like. It's very short term. you've had like two good years, okay. So I started paying a whole lot more attention to the different books that were dealing all this stuff. And some books, you know, they take, Bovada takes $50 bets. Who cares what they're dealing versus some books like Circa takes $1,000 bets. There are books that are much more um, serious and significant than the bets that they would take. And I said, you know what? Let me really monitor those books. And when are they dealing an off-market number versus what everyone else is dealing? Is it an off-market or is it one that moves first to become It's a leading off? indicator yes. is a better way to say it. So if you have the information, where are you betting? If you're the Wherever f- I can get the most money down as thus, fast as possible. That's those sharper books are going to be leading indicators. Exactly right. So what I'm doing every morning when I wake up, and then before I go to sleep, I'm like, I'm literally scouring. I'm going through because I know what everyone's market number was the day before. And I'm saying, you know, who's moved? And if I see something line up where, oh, this dude is suddenly dropping three slots in terms of his projections at the sharpest books, he'll be the same at some of these other books. They haven't moved yet. And then I'm looking, so I'm what like, what kind of move? Like, where will a circa be? And then what will you be able to bet it at? Like, let's say, are you betting it at minus, or is it minus 130 at Circa and you're laying 110? Well, 
at like using Quay Walker today, mm-hmm. he was thirty-two and a half at Circa, mm-hmm. and he was thirty-seven and a half at some other books. And and what was there about a half hour that there was that disconnect? It was anywhere from half an hour to two hours, depending upon the books. And and obviously, some of these books have lower limits. I'm not getting down as much. Now, what's is there a danger that there's nothing these books hate more the slower moving books of getting their slow moved lines clipped off? Yes. And and if they see that you're chasing steam, they're going to be more inclined to throw you out. That's right? that's right. But the steam is not as obvious because it's not on the screen. It's not like they can just say, oh, that guy, that MFer just played under 37 and it's 32 and a half. Well, so you just have all your apps open? Yeah. Okay. Now, do you, are you able to open more than one app at a time? No, on my phone, it's one. I mean, I'm sorry. Yes, they're all, I can open up four or five at once. But you can't have them on the screen at the that's same time. That's right. One per screen. Yeah. And do you have multiple phones? I should, but I just have the one. That isn't, I've got to get another one. You know what we could do? Mm, I'll say this for anyone, but you, you can create an environment. You can create like, do you have iPhone or do you have yep. Android? Okay. What you can do is create an Android environment on a laptop or on a computer, like mm. a good computer person can. And you could actually have multiple instances and have the app on a desktop, but it, it thinks it's running in an Android environment. Because it's open source, so you, it's easier to do than now, iPhone. Now, I don't know if the books in Nevada won't are going to be upset. They suddenly see me betting from, like, like I've always been betting from my iPhone. What I would know. do is I would keep the iPhone for execution mm. and, keep, uh, and create your own screen in a way. So I can see, yeah. Mm. So if I could see them all at once, that would certainly mm. save, save me time. Yes. Yeah, I think about that. All right. What else we got here? I, I think I've laid out my knowledge, and we got more draft talk coming up. Fez, you got anything else you want to brain dump? Best bet. All right, let's uh, let's see here. He's hot. Let's do this. Three- oh, baby, eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> Wait, All right, draft best bet. I got several best bets for okay, this Okay, so what are you doing right now with your package? So package right now, I have seven best bets up. And you're not giving any of those. I, I'm giving one of them. One? One. So there's six more to get. Yes. How much is that offered for? $39. That's it? That's 39. it. $39. And your history, wow, okay. So these are the ones you like the best. These are like the biggest ones you like. Exactly right. So the last two years on the client plays I give, I've given out six and two, 75%. That's pretty good. Now, um, are you going to drop any, are you going to drop one or two more late breaks? I expect to. Absolutely. So what, you, your guess would be what? 10, 11? Nine. All right. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give a coupon. Now, listen, you'd be happy to pay the 39, but you're a loyal podcast listener. You have to put up with AJ, put up with Mackenzie, put up with me sometime. And Steve's bragging. So it's going to be draft 20. So D-R-A-F-T-2-0. All right? D-R-A-F-T-2-0. What does that do? It gives you 20% off. It's a celebration of the draft. It's in Vegas. Now, here's the thing. You can buy multiple draft packages. Fez obviously is going to be the crown jewel. Or you can buy anything, meaning... Uh, seasonal, like again, we talked about the football pack. There's all kind of stuff. And the, here's the commitment you have with pregame.com. If you buy something early, you never ever can get a better deal. If somehow a better deal is offered, you will be credited with that deal without even asking. 
it's rare, but sometimes we'll get ourselves in a pretzel and like, hey, we want to offer this, but it's going to make these eight people for <laughs> one day that bought this one package, we're, we got to make them whole. And I'm proud of that. He's like, literally, you have that guarantee every day, always, forever. If you buy something, you will never benefit from waiting. So obviously we like the money early. We like the commitment. The more commitments we have, the more we can plan how to spend the money. So I'm, I'm not, it's not charity here. I mean, we, we get a benefit, but you get a benefit. You know you're getting the best deal. You wait a week, you might get the same deal. You're not getting a better deal, and you're going to get a worse deal eventually, soon enough. So don't be shy to act. This 20% on top of that is great. Or you can just buy Fez's package. And let me think about this. 39 so I think it's 390 times two you're saving. So you almost are. eight bucks. <laughs> yes. See, now that I don't like because it doesn't even take it under 30. You know? Okay, let's think about this a second. Hmm. 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 What do we do with that, AJ? Here's what we're going to do. What's your USFL look like? Two and two so far this year. But, I mean, you were just talking. You were banging dimes. Like, I, I, I have never been so confident. But you got, And I've got one best bet up for this week. Okay, that's not the game you were talking about. It is not. Because you already moved that and ruined it for everyone. That, 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 that Michigan game is lined correctly now, so don't. Because you don't, shaped it up. I bet plus three and plus two. Don't we lay heard, two. We heard. We heard. Yes. It. Okay. Now, um, but you got one you like enough to be a best bet. Yes. How much have you been selling your USFL for? In low twenties. Right, when do you have that put? Is it up now? It is up now. All right, that that makes it perfect. Then, yeah, you just get the draft from Fez. Well, you're making a mistake. It's good to get that, but throw the USFL in, and you get twenty off both of those. And then the whole over thirty doesn't matter because you're getting you're saving those eight almost eight bucks. And how much is a USFL? Low twenties. Low twenty. Kenzie, you mind taking a gander? Uh, the 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 uh, the wizard here doesn't want to bother himself. I mean, he likes to count the money. Uh, what's he got here? It's a good looking page. You go to pregame.com. You click buy picks. By the way, and the uh, oh, it looks like it might be nineteen there. Oh my gosh, that's even better. Yeah. I right. can you give I'm, me I'm, a headache? I'm, I'm not seeing any individual USFL packages. I'm just seeing this one ninety nine. I might not. Have, did I not publish it yet? Fast. It'll be twenty one dollars. No, nineteen. Nineteen it is. Nineteen. Mm-hmm. Nineteen. All right. So th- just do it and thank me later. Draft twenty. You know something? Let's do something here. Let's guarantee this thing. All right. Let's think about this. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. You, if you buy both, boy, might be some mad people, but you know what? I'm the freaking boss. We, if you buy his USFL and you buy his draft, you get the 20% off. If combined, they don't win, you got to win, win, green. If they don't win, you get your full amount back in credit. I love it. So, like, literally, Fez, you are putting every I won't make you- anything unless it wins. Exactly. It's going to win. What will happen probably is they'll get the credit back. And buy McKenzie for free. And they'll be crying. They're not going to get anything back because they're going to win. It's guaranteed. And listen, we here's the beauty. A long time ago, I mean 15 years ago, 
every pick seller was guaranteeing picks. But they were doing it in, I th it's fair to say, a disingenuous way. I won't get into it. It's an old story. But it made it where if they just hit 50%, they, did, they were doubling the price. Mm -hmm. What we do is say, oh, the price stays the same. And we do this only with games of the year. Yes. Only. Because we're saying, if we're saying this is such a big game, our ass got to be on the line too, even more than it usually is because our better, pros are betting big money, you know, betting probably more than almost any buyer is going to be betting. I mean, occasionally it might be different, but... So this is rare. I mean, it might be the only time we've done this with a non-game of the year. But you only are eligible if you buy both because the volume diversifies. To repeat, USFL best bet, by the time you hear this, it'll be up. It will be for $19. This, he wanted it to be more. I stepped in. You can get all his draft stuff, including any late breakers. And only one has been given away. So you're going to have six plus more. Probably. Six guaranteed. You're getting 20% off by using draft 20. You can use that with just one, just the other, with anything through the weekend, I think. Or, you know, I don't know. A couple days. It'll be at least through, I think, Friday. We'll see. But the draft is Thursday, so okay. Now, here's the thing. You double up. You still get the 20 off both. Steve Fezzik personally is guaranteeing it with McKenzie's picks. No, he's guaranteeing it where if you spend, let's just do the simple math. So 39 and 19 is 58, Fez, right? It is. Okay. 58 times 20 is 1060 off, right? 1160. Oh, I'm sorry. It's going to be 1060, 1160, huh? 1160? No, it's not going to be 1160. That's right. It's going to be 1116. Right? 580 times 2, 1160. 1160. Oh, it's 580 times 2 is 10. Yep, 1160. Okay, so 1160 minus 58, let's just say 12, 46. So you're going to be paying $46 and change, let's say. Okay. If you don't win money on those bets, you get $46 and change back in full credit to spend any way you want. Yes. And Steve suffers. Because you know what we do? We take it from the pros. You might think, oh, he's got the money spread. No, 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 no. We want to punish the losers. I want losers to cry. I want them to hate themselves. If you lose a game of the year or something, you shouldn't be happy. You shouldn't be eaten unencumbered. You should be having like a little ache in your stomach. You know what I'm exactly talking about? Exactly right. And 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 the, and when you have those aches, it's when Steve, when he's winning, it causes him to go crazy the other way. See, we want to keep. We're going to go to the Bacchanal buffet after this. There's not going to be any aches. We're trying to be honest. I'm speaking to you, and Steve may or may not be able to hear this. What we're trying to do is is engineer borderline personality disorder in the pros because I think it keeps them on their toes. <laughs> Did I you agree. hear that? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie's like, that's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? It's a hell of a deal. Draft 20. You better win because I, I don't will. want it going out of my pocket. We will. All right, boys. I think we're good, right? We got you want my best bet, Draft? <sighs> All right. Go ahead. All right. Come on, baby. $80,000. <laughs> Stop on Sauce Gardner. We're going to go under five and a half. If there is one player in this draft that I would say the sharpest books and the sharpest um, mock drafts have all landed on. It's that the Cincinnati cornerback, Gardner, 
the talk is that you know he is a true worthy of even being the number one pick in the draft mm. fr- from what people are saying. I heard he got hurt against Alabama. Finally get some good competition, and he's limping There's around. no medical issues with Sauce Gardner. He's Maybe fine. Heart. heart. There's plenty of heart. He's under five and a half. It's minus 140 right now. You can do better if you shop, but we'll call so it. under means before. Under, he's going to go top five. Sauce Gardner to go top five, minus 140. All right, that's fine. I don't even like that that much, to be honest. Top five? So four is the Jets. They're not taking him. They might. Why not? I don't know. I heard about the, aren't they losing Beckham or whatever? <laughs> they are. The, the Jets are confusing, though, Jets and Giants, because they both have two picks in the top ten. So they're going to use one on, I, I mean, they, they can, they're, they've got some versatility there. Well, can you get a top three at a better payout? Because it feels like it's going to be third or nothing, right? No, he could go fifth easily. Really? Yeah. Giants? Easily. Mm. Don't right. play top three. Play top five. All right. All right. Hey, your, your pick. I, I'm fine with. Hey, listen, you, I I call him the way I see him. I'm I'm betting his pro. Let's just say I'll be betting with you. And here's the way I'm thinking about it. A score like this happens once in a lifetime. Got to make this work for us out in the open, legit. But a nice IPO, keep it spinning, live off the juice. Good advice. I have a bonus best bet. USFL champion. I'm going to tell you who's going to win the league. How do you know? I know. Go ahead. New Orleans, plus 250. You can do better. Westgate right now is plus 275. New Orleans is 2-0. and and The not, Breakers? The Breakers. Not only are the Breakers an impressive 2-0. and Are they talking about the levees down there? The, 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 the levees are not going to break. The levees are strong. Why, why are they called the Breakers? Seems a little contrarian name, given the Katrina history. <laughs> Regardless, they're in Birmingham. There's not going to be any floods. And the Breakers, not only are they 2-0, and they played arguably the most impressive team of the North, the Philadelphia Stars. They won that game. How and do they, you know who's that impressive after two games? I'm watching every game. Then they played. You're watching every play of every game? Yeah. Then, I, then they played Stay Tampa up. Bay, which was supposed <laughs> to be the best team. RJ, they won 34-3 to last what week. What was the line in that game? Line was plus 2.5. New Orleans was catching 2.5. That was a bad line. New Orleans is... Four points better in my power ratings than anybody else in the league right now. Plus 250 is an absolute gift. Bold prediction, three weeks from now, New Orleans will be pick them to win this championship. Lock in plus 250 right now. All right, that's it for this section. We got a special guest coming up, and it got rambunctious. We welcome in from the Vegas Sports and Information Network. Step into the spotlight. Scott. Seidenberg, it rolls off the tongue. His show is The Look Ahead. You said that well. Thank you. What Much part? better than last week. Hey, I'm a fast learner. Yeah, you're doing, you're doing great. Do you hear uh, Scott get banged up a little bit debating on the SOV Fest? I heard a great debate, actually. I thought, I thought this was close. All right, so let's, hear, let's, let's do this. We'll start with this. I'll let Scott go first. We got one minute each. Cause, cause we, we refined our takes. Okay. One minute each. The debate is about how good, what, what should the takeaway of Brooklyn's sweep or being swept be, Scott? That this Nets roster is not good enough to win right now. Uh, it was faulty the way that they constructed it. The trade, I thought, getting rid of Harden was addition by subtraction, but they got no pieces to contribute 
Seth Curry was not going to fill the void left by Joe Harris. They needed a three-point threat. He's not it. Drummond, shell of himself, and Ben Simmons never saw the floor. Everything that you want to say about Kevin Durant and his ability to lead a team did not happen here in the postseason. RJ will say it was his worst postseason performance in a decade. And even though they were close, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. They lost the game. Oh, he finishes with a strong one there. (laughs) My take is simple. If you think back to what happened to this team last year against Milwaukee, this was a team that they lost one and a half of their three players, right? Kyrie out from the middle of game four. Harden hobbled for the whole series pretty much. And he was half a player, you know? So however you want to say, I mean, he was probably a third of a player. And then you had KD, and they were a toe, an inch on a toe away. Size 19. From beating Mm -hmm. the team that ended up being the champions of the entire NBA. I don't think you're saying anything that I'm disagreeing with here. I mean, you're you're, you're saying everything that's correct about last season. Now what about this season? I'm sorry you're interrupting my 60 seconds of sanctified time to present. I didn't realize this was a filibuster. (laughs) Except you had 60 and you gave me 16. All right. But I'm going to be good natured about it. Right, Steve? Short term, yes. <laughs> True. True. But at least everyone knows it. All right. No, I don't mind a little, you know, but let's make sure we get my point out. If not, we will in editing. We'll, we'll start to edit now, which we never do. All right. So here's my point, though, is looking over the last two years, because really the question is, was it wise to construct this team the way that they did? Right, That's the question. And you got to go back to last year to consider that. And my point would be, and Fez, I'll let you answer this. If we could go back in time and be at the beginning of last season and knowing what we know, kind of, I guess, but maybe, yeah, knowing what we know, who would have better odds than Brooklyn? Now, this is a great question uh-huh. because roster construction, Brooklyn's, you know, slam dunk. And now the only issue is, all right. And I think history has shown this team, what other team in the NBA could have lost as many of the key players that they did and still be as competitive as they, they, they had coin flip games with Boston with one of their big three done gone and nothing except Seth in return. And, 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 and Durant playing his worst series in a decade, and they still were coin flips away from Boston in Boston. Now, here's where I actually thought you, you, you went from winning the debate massively to it being close. Okay. Let's flip things around. Mm-hmm. Let's assume I was taking the pro-Brooklyn approach, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, but, but RJ, you know, all those games were, were close those first three games. They were coin flips. You'd be 4-0. Fezzik, no, they I, lost I, I don't, 4-0. That sounds like AJ. AJ's the one that says— 4-0. You're really going to tell me that was a coin flip? Well, let me ask you a question. If this series started over, all right? Mm-hmm. What would you make the price in the series? And what would you make the line in game one? Because the price in the series was minus 140. Boston was home court. That about equates to even teams. Right. Uh, it seems to me in game three, the line was what? Three and a half? 
Yes. All right, which means that Brooklyn is three is home court. And what was the line in Boston? I mean, it seems like the market set up until game four, these are even teams. It, it was because Boston was laying four and a half, then they were laying three and a half. So the two home games, Boston was laying four. And Boston has one of the best home fields in the league or home yeah. courts in the and league. And then Brooklyn is laying three and a half. Now, now a little, we want to mitigate it slightly because remember, Brooklyn kept getting the zigzag on their side in games two and three. Okay, so they got a little bit of line value because of that. Okay. But, but not a lot, not a lot, but a little, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, but I also would make the case that, that at least it was perceived Brooklyn having to play in the play-in was a disadvantage in game one. I'm not sure it was. Because they got to play the Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. and they didn't have to play till Saturday. Yeah, so and, they, I, and they won the first game. They won the, that's the key. They didn't have to w- win the second one. But let me ask you, if it had been 1-1, what do you think the line would have been Brooklyn game three? Oh, I think it would have been... Two and a half or three? Yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm going. So Boston was laying four and a half game. So say Boston minus four, Brooklyn minus three. So I think I think Boston. But the question was, is, how did it change? Like if you're saying four zero, four zero. It didn't until it until it was zero four. Nothing so, changed. So the market said these games don't tell us anything about these teams. That's right. So why am I making a conclusion? Exactly. So basically, why am I making a conclusion based upon game four? Oh, they got rolled game four. So Boston, I'm going to make Boston minus two sixty. Well, I can't do that, and, but I. I can make Boston, I think, minus 200 if they replayed the series. That would be and my And how number. much of that is an upgrade of Boston and how much is a downgrade of Brooklyn? I make the case you don't downgrade Brooklyn at all. You don't expect Durant to have such a bad – and jump in anytime, Scott. You don't, you don't expect Durant to have such a bad series. I'm going to downgrade Brooklyn. Really? And here's why. The eye test, the sloppy turnovers of KD. Now, maybe I should give Boston more credit for the defense, but I've never seen him struggle so much just to, to, to but pass so, the ball. But he was playing great just a week before. So you think all of a sudden he got old in three days? No, I think Boston did an incredible job defensively. But I also, Which means you don't downgrade but, Brooklyn. But I think that Kevin Durant, if you claim – and I'm not saying that he does, but we in the media do, that you are one of the 10 best players in the world. You well, I cannot. Think, I think as of this series, he was considered the best player in the world when he was how You cannot consider yourself the best player in the world when you play that poorly and don't shoot the ball in a must-win playoff game. I don't care what you have to do. At least in game two, we got to the free throw line. But a lot of that had to do with the officiating, as you guys correctly handicapped with the officiating in that game. In game three, how do you not shoot the basketball? I don't care what defense they're playing against you. Duck your head down, drive the lane, and get to the free throw line. You're seven feet tall. You have a wingspan that's bigger than anybody on the court. Shoot your shot. And he did it in game four. He shot the ball a lot in game four because you had to. But you also had to in game three. And for him to not show up in that moment, you can't claim that you're one of the best 10 players in the world, or especially not the best player in the world. Well, well, wait, what, wait, I mean, LeBron clear- James shows up in that moment. Well, I mean, you're drawing a conclusion based on two games here. I mean, like, well, you go back even to the Olympics, right? And, like, if, if by some miracle the Australians are hanging with us, who are we going to have get our basket for us? Mm-hmm. KD. I mean, le- le- less than a year ago, Durant in that Milwaukee series played as well as what anyone has played in the last 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say KD's the best player in the, in the NBA, and I, I'm not on an island there. I well, mean, I don't think you're on an island. I, I think this—I I agree with Scott's in a small way that I think you've got to reevaluate, is he, get, is he getting old? Now, that's an excellent point. And, and maybe, I also think—and well, I don't know well, how many let, people are saying Let's jump in. Go ahead. Well, maybe the injury— 
you know, it's, a long season did did did, did that. But he played like let, for what, let me ask two you, months. Let me ask after. you guys something. Did he look thinner to you? Yes. You know, that's interesting that he said that because the eye test, remember when he came out of college and he couldn't bench 135 but and he was in so specific. He looked a good 10 pounds thinner? lighter than during the, the midseason. Would you say 10 pounds? Yes. But like almost like he'd been on naked and, and afraid and, for two weeks. And weeks. that's why and, and I think that that's why eating, he was not able to daisies. deal with the physicality of Marcus I, Smart and he was not able to drive and get penetration. Listen, if he comes back, puts on 15, yeah. 20 pounds of muscle next season. Well, he's not going to. I think I know the problem, and I'm going to make a big deal about this. Oh, wait. Okay, I'll do that. It's Brooklyn. It's the hipsters in Brooklyn. <laughs> he's losing weight. He's probably gone, like he's, you know, whatever it is where you don't eat fish. I blame Brooklyn. Williamsport or Williamstown or whatever the hell that is. Wait, you don't eat fish or you eat too much fish? No, they don't even eat fish. They got souls, baby. But that should make you fatter, right? If you don't eat fish. No, they're they're eating like a bunch of like um, tofu, tofu and and quinoa, green green vegetables. I got Korean stuff. Oh yeah, healthier than fish. The Impossible Burger. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) They're hip. It could be that. But last point on this, and we'll get AJ's got he's a hater. Oh, he hates Brooklyn. He's old school. He's from the school they tore down to build the old school. (laughs) (laughs) If I told you that a team is playing one of the top two or three teams in the league, which Boston has proven themselves to be at this point, would you agree with that? They're the second favorite to win the title. You know, that's interesting. They're not the favorite now? Mm Mm-mm. Really? Golden State's still favorite, right? I don't think so. All right, let's see. Golden State's favorite. Really? Yeah, Warriors. Oh, Golden State. You know, it's interesting because I saw Phoenix had I saw Phoenix's odds had come down. So Golden State. So right now, the Warriors. Wow. Right now, the Warriors plus two eighty. Celtics plus three seventy. Suns plus four seventy five. And it's before Tuesday's games. And then we got the Heat at six and a half to one. Bucks at seven to one. I still say Boston's better. The path is still much more difficult because they're going to have to debating go. Some, we're debating right? something that makes my point even more. So Boston's one of the two best teams, you think? Clearly, yes. Okay. Yes. Clearly. If I say Brooklyn, the team in question, is coming in, their best player, their all-world player is going to have his worst series in a decade. Their, their big three is going to be chopped off one-third of it and be like hardly any return. And the second guy is going to be, or the third guy, whatever you want to consider Kyrie, is going to have a good normal series. Though you could make the case in Boston that it got in his head that game one. He wanted to take that shot so bad. Mm -hmm. It was probably inefficient. But let's just say he played fine. So if one player plays fine, one of the big three doesn't play at all, and one has the worst game or worst series in a decade, and still it's close to a coin flip, how good is that team? Real good. Better than any other team, I think, over a two-year. So the construction of the team isn't the issue. It's the happenstance. Well, the fact they had two knuckleheads, you know, I think oftentimes you can handle one. But then when you got two, it's just too much for the team chemistry to be able to handle. What do you think you would have said, and Scott or AJ, what do you think you would have said about Muhammad Ali when he said, I got no quarrel with the Viet Cong? Uh-huh. I'd have to see what the context was. Well, the context, you don't know the context of when well, Ali didn't want to. All right, so he got drafted. I, I, he didn't, yes, he didn't serve. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're filling in the blanks here. He said the <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah. And 
it would have been like a Joe Lewis type situation, which at the time meant he would have gone and done tours doing boxing exhibitions, mm -hmm. right? And he said, hey, the act of me participating in this will have other, in his opinion, black Americans say, oh, maybe it's okay to go to this war. Uh -huh. And he didn't want to feel responsible for that. Now, again, at the time, it was a very unpopular or mostly an unpopular thing. He got stripped of his title, couldn't fight in the United States. Three and a half years he didn't fight. Mm -hmm. And he here's what people forget. Ali was going to jail if the Supreme Court didn't. He was going to do five years. Mm -hmm. And he would have. they would have done all five. But Supreme Court stepped in, said he it was a conscientious objector. And then he was able to come back after that. But still, he ended up losing to Frazier, and Frazier Ali won. After that, he had two fights, I think, with Quarry and one other. And then he fought, the fight of the century lost. He gave up a ton. He could have went to jail. But it was him saying, I have these beliefs, and I'm going to buck convention, and I'm going to stand by them. Now, Kyrie, we might not be able to understand where he's coming from, but it feels like he's authentic with it. So if he is, I don't know if we want to call him a knucklehead as much as say pop probably a poor usage. Yeah, but I think most people agree with that. You know, I, I, sh I should. I should. I let's just a better usage. Of, How do you? Oh, good. Which just would have would, would would have said um, distractions. You've got two players that bring great distraction to the team. Let's get AJ first. Uh, having been a, a honorable vet. I think the first thing that you have to differentiate is one guy plays a team sport and one guy's an individual. Okay, Kyrie, but, but, but Kyrie no, one Irving, on there, no one on that team would want him to go against, or maybe Harden would. Harden but, clearly did. Yeah, and again, that probably makes Kyrie look better, doesn't it? I, I, I guess it depends on which angle you're looking at it from. No, but I mean, in general, you really dislike Harden as uh, him as a teammate, correct? Yeah. Okay, so then what do you mean which angle? In general, you're never going to agree with Harden if there's not reason, meaning all things equal. I, I, I tend to agree with him on this case. Okay, but yeah, but th that's what makes it curious. But go ahead. I mean, what you think, so you would want, let's say I had a moral principle that I really cared for and I was going to do something that what you would suffer for. But, you know, in a way commensurate with how Harden was suffering, which was what, losing a few extra games and having to play a few more minutes? Was that the suffering? Would you want me to go against my – I mean, we can make jokes here, but you wouldn't want me to go against my principles. If you had said, AJ, I want you to move out here to Vegas and work with me and – He and didn't this know that COVID was going to happen. He didn't know that he was going to disagree with the vaccine. Okay. I mean, and again, I think we got a lot of, uh, you know, whites here, but we have McKenzie, who is a person of color, as they say. Mackenzie, you've talked about this before. Give us a quick 40 seconds or so on in the black culture, the skepticism with government distributed things like a vaccine. What you just said about Muhammad Ali is really powerful, where he's one black person, but he's also the most famous person in the world. And when you're from a culture that feels oppressed, feels like there's not a lot of, you know, great champions that are representing you. The things that they do and say make a big difference in your life and your personal feelings. So Kyrie Irving is not on that level. But him standing up for what he said, I mean, if you believe that, it means a lot. It means and, and a what, lot to, to and, and something for it. Capsulize that belief. As African-Americans that have been disenfranchised in history, we have not only, we have a responsibility to do things without, you know, kowtowing to what's supposed to be done. Because if we did what was supposed to be done forever, we'd be a, we'd be a lot farther back, back in the day. Okay, we just time shifted. Elon Musk, AJ almost fought me. 
but I got now he's behind glass. No, <laughs> true or false, AJ? Oh, is my mic back on? Yes. Oh, he, false. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is you're behind glass. Oh, I am behind glass. That part is true. It's and not bulletproof. And your mic was turned <laughs> off. My mic was turned off. And a Glock 19 doesn't even phase you. No. Uh, that's all you got to look forward to. Plus, AJ defends his radical liberalism. Oh, boy. And he says, RJ, you're not quite libertarian. And then one minute later, he says, you're the most libertarian person on earth. <laughs> that was pretty quick, wasn't mm. it, Fez? That's um, that anti-correlated. <laughs> How did I do? It seemed like a lot of people were coming at me today. How did I do? You did just fine. Kind of Andre the Giant style, huh? Yeah, you, when you're used to fighting 40 guys at once, you know, you, you get real good at beating them all. <laughs> Let's talk about, we finished about the Suns. Oh, I'm sorry, check that. We finished about Brooklyn. Any closing thoughts on that? All right, Celtics, you think they're the best team? Yes. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, right now in the Eastern Conference, I think they're the best team. McKenzie? I think they're the best le- team in the league right now. AJ? Second best team in the league. Oh. Golden State? Yeah. That's what I would say. Yep. That's why I said they're the best in the Eastern Conference. All right. So it's one thing to, you know, not worry about half points as much. Do you agree that if the market says nine to one and then in a couple games it's it's way, way, way down, that are you worried that there's too much of a move? And I'm talking about Golden State's adjustment. Yeah, I also think it depends on liability. I mean, the books are moving it based on you know what they're what they're getting it at or what what what's coming in on but it. We assume what they, the market's fairly efficient. Sure, close to it, but there's different places, different lines at different places. So, yeah. so but Circa has in the range of, yeah. of Vig. Circa has a yes no, and I consider that to be the. Uh, I mean, you can bet either way. So that's a, that's the most efficient of all the markets. And, and explain why I could, but explain why that is. That Be, having both sides makes it valid to you. Because if I'm a sports book and I'm taking all this bets at nine to one, eight to one, and, and the accountants are like, "Wow, if Golden State wins, we're going to get crushed." Mm-hmm. All right, but it's it's what happens if you allow people to bet no. The pros are going to come in and bet the no that haven't touched this the whole way. If there's value there, so that that the a book that offers a yes and a no, by definition, is the most efficient setting right. the market. And I would say one other thing. I would say the fact that the VIG is going to be, you know, 5%, if it's a 20-cent straddle, less than 5%, is that VIG is forcing it where you don't have much range to mess around. Yes. Whereas right. in these futures pools, 30%, 40%. whether you pay 10 to 1 or 14 to 1 on some teams, what does it matter? Neither one has any value. So you can't draw any conclusions from that. And correct me if I'm wrong, Fez, but by definition, the fact the line's being adjusted because of liability is kind of the whole point of line adjustments. Yes. I mean, so if anything, that's why it's. I think it's supposed to move in that direction. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's moved. So you think it's moved too much. and But why? Because well, well, is it Phoenix's injuries? Is it the fact that Phoenix is 2-2? And Memphis is sucking. Memphis is so we've got, way we've got closer the, to the We've got the other two good teams in the West are ma- are underperforming significantly, along with Golden State, obviously, overperforming. But, but Phoenix, what's the injury timeline for Phoenix, McKenzie? Uh, the Suns haven't said anything about it since he was saying he was going to miss two games. ESPN reports two to three weeks. From the injury, so that would put him in the middle of, of round two. Okay. It strikes me that Dallas is 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 a risk, right? But yeah. I mean, if Phoenix has 
if they're healthy by game three or four that series, I I got to want, I mean, as much as the Grizzlies, I mean, let's be honest, Fez, how much have we downgraded the Grizzlies? Meaning I don't think we have it all, have we? Oh, no, we have. How much? I'd say. How, how can you play 82 games and then what is there, two losses and, and they're getting downgraded be, be, Because for that? they won 56 games or whatever they won. Mm-hmm. And now I think what's happened is that the narrative has gotten around it correctly. Oh, wait, this team is so deep. This is a team built to win the regular season, not in the playoffs. Hmm. I, I think you could downgrade them a little, you know, for that, but not to the point as where let's just say the, the team that's right now down by five in the second quarter and we're taping on Tuesday to the T-Wolves in game five, you know, they lose this game. It's a very different conversation, but it strikes me. I don't think two. you're saying just cause they're playoff games. This is proof of how they're going to play. Cause the T-Wolves might, what I heard everyone say was, well, first round won't even be like a playoff game because they run and the Grizzlies run. And the main issue was they don't do as well without transition Grizzlies, but they're going to have transition. So how is this such a uh, emblematic of the truth of the Grizzlies in the playoffs? I, you, you know, I think, and maybe I'm over un, overreacting small sample, but John Moran looks like he's not a superstar from what I see in the playoffs. And I think, think a lot it of people might be a small sample. <laughs> well, sure, but but I think a lot of people kind of thought, oh, he's really going to step up. But you keep saying what a lot of a lot of people are dumb. Yeah. Like, so my point is, like, what games? Like, did you like? How often do you change a power rating in the NBA after one game or two? never? So why in the playoffs, let's say they're worth double because they're, you know, the intensity and everyone's mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. hard. I mean, I think they might be worth quadruple. Okay. I mean, John Morant's been better than Kevin Durant in these playoffs. Does that mean Kevin Durant's no good anymore? <laughs> a stray shot, a stray shot against Durant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I didn't. Uh, Fez, it just seems like you've been talking a lot about some major changes in the first half of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Yes, and maybe it's overreaction. Maybe. We, we're game five. But you, you know what? I'll, I'll make the case. Anyone who was betting Brooklyn, uh, you know, by game three, probably they, they, you mentioned there was no reaction. There probably should have been some reaction. Wait, wait, you're making my, your, your big lead up was to say the market, which is much more uh, liquid in the sides than any of the series prices. Yes. The, the market says, you know, you, you lost two games, Brooklyn. Let's see. We're going to adjust it. Mm, nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or, or so and, and and you're right that in this game five, Memphis was still, despite its being two two and this being a pretty evenly played series, same, still laying six. Same spread as game same one. Same spread game, as, game two. as early in the series. Yeah. Well, so, one point lower. Well uh, yeah, well six and a half and seven, I guess, games one and two. Right. Okay, but this in this game is what closes seven. Mackenzie, what are you talking about? So it's uh, well, oh, yeah. got that up today. It was it was six for most of the day. So there's been no, no reevaluation. Yeah. No no concerns about about Memphis, which yeah. I would have argued is a mistake, because if the way this series is way closer than that, but see, I mean, see, to me, that's the whole thing. When it, like, I don't understand. I don't know about quadruple or whatever. I, I don't know, but I know this: that very rarely do you change these teams. Only when the motivation changes at the end. If a team gives up, like Utah, seems like they yeah, have, that's totally different. Or the, you, if it's a trio, I, I don't think Utah's given up. I think they're just fighting like crazy amongst themselves. The yeah, chemistry is all want, messed I up. I want this to be over. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, this is that's the a, last time that you will see this team as presently constituted. Would, would you be surprised if Utah lost by thirty in nope. Game Five? Not at all. What did right? I tell you, what, AJ? What did I tell you on the game phone call? Game Five. That, they, they're going to get murdered now when they. What did I? What, game I, what, I, what, I, game six, what yeah, did I tell? I told we had a phone call on was it Monday, and what did I say about the Warriors in that next game against the Jazz? 
What did I say I would lay? The, the Warriors are the, uh, the, wa- the, the um, oh I'm sorry um, oh yeah we'll talk about the Warriors um, in this game did I say that I'm mixing up my conversations now anyway um, double digits you said I said double digits the Warriors but the conversation I had with the Mavericks was bet the house on the Mavericks because there's no way that Utah is even competitive in the game no I think that I think the uh, I think the I mean. To me, the opposite of that, or similar but different side of the coin, was Toronto. I think I looked at Toronto in Game Four. I looked at him in Game Five, saying this team's going to stay motivated. High character yeah. team. So, so uh, I think confidence I think, in their coach, confidence in themselves, have had success. I think the market can miss that stuff, like Scott was saying. I, I agree completely that there's no, there was no quit whatsoever in Toronto. So let's get back to Golden State. So the adjustment in the Grizzlies is zero point. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> but somehow Golden State's been adjusted. But here's the question. How much has Golden State been adjusted on the side? So what's game one and what's game five, right? McKenzie? In game one, they were six-point favorites. Game five, they're looking at nine-point favorites hosting the Nuggets. Okay, so three points of adjustment. How would you figure that out for, like, Syria? Like, how would you equate that to, like, title odds? Like, how much better is a team that's three points higher? And, and let's be honest, Denver's been – at least half of that's a Denver downgrade. Yeah. Um, so let's call it a point and a half. So if it was three points – It's you, not three. Right, exactly. Let's stay at one and a half. Okay, okay. so I think the best, the best teams in the NBA, mm-hmm. power rating-wise, are like six and a half to seven points better than an average team. Would you agree with that, Boston, Phoenix? Well, let's think about it. If you have the worst team playing the best team at the worst team – or the best team's home, you're getting about 17, right? Yes. All right. So we're saying what? It's three for home, 14. So seven each, seven minus seven. Seven each direction. That sounds right. Okay. So if you look at it. Maybe a little more because that line's going to be crunched down because of the fourth quarter stuff. So let's assume Golden State's power rating was a a four. Okay. The only way to get them to be the best team, like you said, has to be a three point upgrade. If it's only a point and a half upgrade, it doesn't get them there. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, but if you upgrade them three, now you put them in online with where Phoenix was. So now that's fascinating. So what you're saying is about half because they went from where they were nine to one to being the favorite, and you're saying about half of that's warranted. Yes, because you're saying three points would get them to be just as good as anyone. They probably got a point and a half because the upgrade. Maybe I'll go two even. Maybe I'll go oh, two. Yeah, because it backs up your yeah. irrational point. Yeah, and I don't <laughs> like to be that far apart from the market. I can't see that game being. A single-digit game. Uh, oh. Golden State. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe, but that's a whole – I mean, to me, that's yeah. a whole different – you know, that's a different debate, right? But you I know, think it, the, the, the adjustment on that game line I thought would have been greater. You know, one theme I wanted to mention, we spoke about this for years, RJ, mm-hmm. you and I, this whole Utah-Denver – uh, they get that altitude advantage during the regular season, and inevitably, mm. teams make business decisions. They go to Utah, Denver, like, all right, that's the night off, and those teams win by 20 in those games. And so come the end of the regular season, they have these gaudy um, point differentials, and oftentimes power ratings are undeserved because they've gotten some phony home wins, oftentimes by margin. They have an advantage in the regular season that doesn't apply it or is not applicable to the postseason because of rest. Exactly right. So it's rarely wrong to say Denver or Utah is playing a playoff game. I'm going to pass or I'm going to bet against them. And in a way, the whole Grizzlies complaint or, or, or downgrade for depth is similar, right? Mm-hmm. When do you need depth? When you play back-to-backs, when you don't want to put a lot of minutes on your player, so you go nine deep or ten right. deep. Right. 
in the playoffs, no one's going nine or ten deep. Now it does give you more chess pieces to make different moves. Sometimes you you want to you want to be moving the queen and the rooks, not the knights and the bishops. So it's though. nice to have more good players. <laughs> yes, but it's not near as valuable as the regular yes. season. Yes. All right, so that's why you think Grizzlies probably downgraded from their performance in the postseason, regardless of the last couple games. Um, you know. Yeah, I probably should have downgraded them when the postseason started for that for did, that right? fact for that I didn't for that factoid, you know, and 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 you know, it's easy to say, oh, this team's so deep, look how good they're at they they are without their superstar. Well, you, you can't play those ten guys um, against against like really good starting five because with so many timeouts and the game, it it just and, and and there's so many days off during these playoffs, teams don't get tired during the playoffs like they do during the regular season when you're playing four games in six nights. So, AJ, you are a defender of Golden State. I am. You said, hey, they count rings, baby. Hmm. I said these guys haven't played together all year, really in two, three years now. And we've seen them play together and win titles with this, this, uh, this core and this coach. Yeah, I, I keep saying, though, what was the odds of Golden State the year after Durant left? Because they were multiple years younger and without Durant, no one thought that team. I mean, they, I, if I recall, I think they were like 15 to one. I'm going by memory now. So I, I don't think anything about Steph and Clay four years ago means anything other than these guys, if they get to the biggest stage, they're not going to be nervous. They were the sixth favorite, the Warriors, at 10 to 1 the year after Durant left. Thank you me. probably didn't shop near as well as I would have. Is that just, that's one source, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just one aggregated source. Yeah, well, it's not aggregate. It's one source. Yeah, basketball reference. It's not an aggregated source. That's multiple sources, right? One source. There we go. <laughs> he thinks he throws those big words out. He's going to fool us. All right. Fez, what do you think about, and then we'll go back to AJ here. What do you think about the argument, hey, they're champs? You know, they've seen them win it. I think the experience certainly is a factor. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're talking How about. How many old NBA teams win the NBA title? Not many. Mm. It's a grueling four, mm. right? Yeah. Are they old though? Well, I think that core is old, right? I mean, Steph obviously—that's that's a great point. Now, so, how many like? But I mean, Wiggins, Pool. No, that's know, poor, that, I agree, yeah. but Wiggins and Pool don't have any titles. So, to me, I think if you make the case, hey, you've got a pretty good three-fourths of core with the old guys, but what's really been Wiggins stepping up? And pool stepping up seems to be the revelation, or pool especially in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. how many dynasties like but, like lapse and suddenly become the fifth best team and then start a new dynasty? I all, None. I think a lot of it goes into what I talked about last week about the Warriors knowing how meaningless the regular season is and have really flipped a switch here in the postseason and have pl- have really designed their <laughs> they, they've planned this Steph, perfectly. Steph played harder than any player on earth the first six weeks of this year. I mean, he was going for MVP to the point mm. the wheels fell off, and he had he missed a bunch of time, right? I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not saying that the, the, the Kerr doesn't have a long term vision, and they had something to prove clearly. The Golden State of, came out, you know, like like we're going to establish ourselves as a contender in terms again of rest, initially, in terms of intensity down the stretch, down in the terms stretch, of I agree. being ready for this moment right now at the end of April. They have. Planned it better than anybody. Boy, they sucked in April too. Is the crazy thing they have. They were reeling better than anybody. And I think AJ's point is very valid, which is that Clay has been trending up. You know, he's coming back from an injury. Who knows where he's going to plateau at? 
But without Draymond and Steph on the floor together, they both doesn't matter which one is out, the, the other one suffers. Yeah, and Draymond stayed away from the ice cream truck. No, he looks he looks lean. <laughs> he sent it over to, to, he looks lean. to Zion, yes. He doesn't look lean like um no, he looks Durant. Lean. He looks like lean like he's gone to the gym. Yeah. He looks lean like he might say, Glock nineteen don't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, think about that. When you're playing when you're playing Denver and and, and the way he's been able Is to Is that a pea shooter? Okay. The way he's been able to keep um, Jokic, you know, frustrated, and you're talking about the NBA MVP, and like, and and, well, and Draymond Green has made when, when he's, he he's had MVP. he's had to earn his, his every bucket he's gotten in this series. I, when I was saying I've seen them do it before, I was saying in in relation to the Nets, who we don't know if they could ever have gelled together. The Nets, the Nets are eliminated. I understand, but what you're taking what I said out of context is what I'm saying. Okay, then, then continue with your point on why you're so optimistic. My point it. on them was the fact that this is the first time they've been healthy in years, and we when they're when they're healthy, I think they are the best team in the league. So why didn't you bet them at nine to one? Like gigantic. I don't know anyone that said I'm backing up the truck because this guy R.J. Bell came out and he's been and he all he does is win and he says the Phoenix Suns are going to win and the Phoenix resides in the same region as Golden State Let's does. Get something straight. I put together a portfolio of future bets. Mm. If I what did I get four and a half to what did I get McKenzie four and a half to one. Plus 300 on the Suns. I don't remember that. All right. <laughs> That's the one show I listened to. Like, <laughs> But what I'm saying is, is that was like, what, six, eight weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You give me a nine to one. I can bet two units. I'm I understand. I got plus, it. I'm not going to bet a full unit at nine to one. I'll bet half a unit. Yeah. Um, if I liked them, which I didn't. You know, that's, that, that's a real. I mean, Fez, hold on a second. Is your answer because I said <laughs> I like another team? Why didn't you bet Golden State? I don't know. And I bet Phoenix. I, what's it? What's interesting, and now I'm gonna like compound it because I'm thinking about betting Golden State now to now, win the West. I know, like dude, plus one forty. Exactly. It. I know you will. Any closing thought? Or you want to make your first oh, point, AJ? <laughs> I, my, I, I guess I don't have a <laughs> point. No, like, that's, that's saying, what's Mackenzie, happen. what are you hearing from him? I think he is remembering the three championships that oh, the Warriors you are, won. You're condescending to him right now. <laughs> That's okay. Damn, he's in the One same room with you. He I doesn't even him. have a Glock 19. How do you feel about our bet between last longer, Warriors or Suns? No, boy, that's one that, that, that switched pretty quick. I mean, I thought it was the best bet. I mean, what was that after what game? It was before the injury. Yeah. And it was what, after two games, right? Two games. As I said, last, it was a last longer bet between Golden State and Phoenix. But my thinking was, okay, and I, it still is to some degree except for the injury, Grizzlies are going to be much tougher than the Dallas-Utah win. It was post-injury, by the way. We don't know the no, gri- no, it wasn't. We don't know it the Grizzlies wasn't. are going to get out of the first round. <laughs> well, we don't know anyone except Boston. And Dallas of, suddenly, you know. my name is Luca. You know, but, let's be, but let's be honest now. You're right. There could be crazy upsets. Yeah. And if they lose tonight, it's a bigger deal, no doubt. But my point is, who before the injury to Phoenix, uh, who would you have liked in that? Bet? Oh, Phoenix. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, just because I think Dallas 
Utah is so weak that win. Oh God! I mean, the path looked so good, and, and Dallas looked to be, Utah looked to be. Well, I forgot what the what that series closed at with the with the Luka issue. We didn't know he would even be back until Game Six, and we didn't know that Dallas was still going to be in the series. If I remember, McKenzie, it, it, it switched about a hundred cents, right? It was originally about even, then it slipped a hundred cents the other way. A little more. Jazz were minus one eighty, closed minus three ten before Game One. Utah was laying minus six in games one through four. Mm-hmm. All four games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they were. Oh, they were laying the same amount on. Oh, I, that's true because they, they thought Luca might even come back for Game Three. Why were they only six at home? Because they thought Luca might come back. I, yeah, and that went up. Okay, you're right. Yeah, boy, I tell you, Dallas has played shockingly well without Luca. Look great. I mean, like, and the funny thing is, I bet only bet one of those games, and it was the first one. Well, you wanted to bet the second game. I, I heard know. you. I heard you yeah. like, yeah, and then you're like, eh. All right, let's switch gears and talk about, well, you know here. In a second, you'll know who I'm talking about. Zion. Dilly dilly bar. (laughs) Here he comes. (laughs) Remember Andre the Giant in WrestleMania 3? He couldn't walk all the way through the Detroit Superdome. (laughs) Could you see him coming in an ice cream truck throwing dilly bars out? (laughs) <laughs> All right. Fez, we'll start with you. How good would New Orleans be with Zion? I don't know. Okay, moving on. Mackenzie, <laughs> no. I think it's a great answer because I, I, the way that this team is constituted right now, I. I, I don't want to screw it up. Exactly. And and I feel like if you add Zion in and he commands a lot of the possessions, you're then taking the ball out of Brandon Ingram's hands. You're taking the ball out of McCollum's hands. You're going a little bit bigger in your lineup. 36 list. Uh, 36 minute. I just don't – I don't know. I, I, I Listen, you can give me all the numbers you want about how incredible Zion is and historically and, and he's the best player in NBA history for 36 minutes, but this team is – they got a chemistry right now that is that is second to none. They they, they look great. Um, I got to be honest with you. It's not fair in a debate to try to guess what I'm going to do and then try to debunk it before I even get to talk. But so here's I, I, the, here's I know, the rule. I know. Here's I, the rule. Here's you heard me talk over the no no no. But you, you made this argument last time uh-huh. when we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, facts it, facts seem to persist. Yes. But I think there is a different – you see, this is also the, the, the difference in, like, number, number handicapping versus, like, like eyeball handicapping too, right? And so you're defending the eyeballs. I'm defending the eyeballs as saying the, watching the way that this team has played ever since the trade, right, and with a healthy Brandon Ingram, and especially watching them in this, in this playoffs, I know the value of adding the, the stats of Zion. I don't I can't I can't feel if Jordan the, the, was on this team, would you feel the same thing? Or is it about Zion not being able to be integrated well? It's about Zion taking away from what I think is working so well with this team. Yeah, Zion's worth a ton with a team that doesn't have scores mm-hmm. because he's so proficient at it. But now we got a situation. We got I think what they start, two and twelve? We got a, we got a team that is absolutely gelling. And and you know, but this team that's gelling so much without Phoenix without their best players, lane six. 
I mean, how? I mean, and, and, and even the Jose so, Alvarado defense. I mean, there's so much. How good is that? When, where do you got the Pelicans ranked? I mean, they're clear. So, I mean, that means on a. I mean, game one was what nine and a half. No, a ten and a half. Yeah. Okay. Game two went down to nine and a half. All right. So it's like I don't think the Pelicans how they played this series again. I don't think it probably upgraded them too much, right? Right. I mean, I do think that for a younger team that can stand the heat of the lights, you give them a little upgrade, no doubt. More than than a veteran team, I think that you know that can handle that. Like I don't. But you're saying Booker's worth four, so we we really haven't adjusted anything. Or maybe you have a point. Yeah. So my question is, the Pelicans had to. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They had to win twice just to get in. Yeah. And I'm just saying is I you know. This Zion thing is fascinating because I sure. would have made the case that a year ago, if you were starting a franchise, where's Zion? Oh, right up there. Right? Probably. I mean, you one? have to balance age. Yeah. You know, like, Luca like one. Luca one. And yeah. Would Luca be one? Yes. Yeah. After what we've read in The Athletic with his. Like literally, like with uh, Haralabob, it was like Haralabob said mm. one thing to him one time. And again, I'm no Haralabob apologist. I don't, you know, don't even know him. But uh, you know, he was a front office guy with the Mavs. Apparently, he said one thing once about something he probably shouldn't have said, like how to shoot or something, something crazy, <laughs> I think. And like Luca hated, like like gave him the evil eye every time after. And Luke is like getting people fired. I mean, mm. listen, Magic did that too. So I mean, it does feel like Luca comes in out of shape every year, and it seems like Luca is hmm. very much like I'm running this franchise. Par- Party said the same birthday. exact things about Zion. Both those things. I agree. So I'm, I didn't say Zion ahead of Luca. I'm saying I'm not sure about Luca first. Who would be one? I, I mean, how old is Giannis? Twenty-eight. So we're talking about. 23, what, what, like four years? 27 for Giannis. He'll be 28 the end. And, well, uh, everyone yeah. that's 27 is going to be 28 yeah. one day. He'll be 29 <laughs> next. Yeah, yeah. good. You know what's next? All right. So, I don't know. Well, let's do this. Top two. If you had the first two picks in the, uh, the franchise draft, and we're going to start with McKenzie, no big stories, give me the two. Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum. Tatum. That's what I wrote. Holy cow. Well, listen. That's what I wrote. Baz is following McKenzie. That's true. I, I listened to McKenzie in his podcast. Scott. It's hard to argue against those two. Hmm. It's hard. I would say if Luca, I mean, Luca's, yeah, Luca's for me. Yeah. I'm trying to think of because Tatum's age, too. I think somebody. Luca smokes unfiltered palmons. We'll take it. Well, they've all aged. I'll go <laughs> Luca Giannis. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Harden? Oh, God. <laughs> Let's think about this. So who's the top five right now? All right? So the debate in the top five. Mackenzie, read your list. So all players, not, not Jesus, no read your freaking list. All right, pulling it up. One sec. You should have your list available. All right. So we know... The Durant, Durant's not going to be on. He's too old. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm going to say no to Luca. I, I, there's something about he doesn't oh. shave. Something about him. I don't think he's going to age well. He, he doesn't seem like the. He seems like he seems like a player from the '80s. 
Huh. Right with his fitness level. Larry Bird. Well, yeah, Larry Bird. If he Barkley and Bird had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, read me your list. Kevin Durant. Go ahead. Giannis, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, mm. Jokic, Doncic, Tatum. Then. Oh, okay. How old? How old's the Joker? Twenty-seven. Yeah, he's 27. He's going to be 28. I got that right. All right, I'm going to go with Giannis and the Joker. I'll give you I, I don't couple, argue Giannis at all. I'll give you guys yeah. a couple years. Because, again, I, what's Luca won? How many playoff series has he won? Uh, 0.75. No. Zero point zero. And if he win this one, it's going to be with him missing a majority of the games. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, come on. Is it a coincidence he could win? I mean, there's something about him. It's me, me, me. He's like Jordan, you know, let's say he's Jordan pre-Phil Jackson. But let's be honest. What's the odds that Jordan was going to grow up like he did and take Phil mm -hmm. Jack? Maybe it was the genius of the Zen master or we'd have another Dominique. I mean, how different is Luca than Dominique? Wilkins. Mm. Well, or Dominique, Gervin. Dominique dunks a lot better. Or Gervin. No, I mean, I'm yeah, being serious. No, this, this, right now they're the same. All right, so let's look, getting back to Zion for a second. These are the per 36 all time. Now, amazingly, there's been a slight change. Is And I'm going to read, AJ, this is going to be a roller coaster emotionally for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, number, all right, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Number nine, Stefan Curry, all 36. Mitchell, Mitchell. What's his first Donovan name? Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> LeBron James. James Harden. You okay? I'm good. <laughs> but you got you want to somehow diminish it? Does okay. it? If you add his titles to that number, it's the exact same number. Count the rings. <laughs> <laughs> James Harden. Oh, I'm just said that. Kevin Durant. Now we got four people left. The Iceman, George Gervin. He finger rolled. <laughs> Next up, the greatest player in NBA history, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Mm. Then the penultimate on this list, Zion Williamson, 29.3 points per 36. And the new champion, Embiid. Wow. It's interesting. I didn't take Embiid because of the health concerns. Hmm. And he's 28. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Plus, I, don't you always think that big men la yeah. last less, you know? Especially, uh, yeah. I mean, he missing whole seasons. Yeah. All right. In the playoffs, other than what we talked about, what's the biggest storyline that you see? Wow. Other than the Suns injury, other than everything that we've talked about. Well, let's talk. We didn't talk Suns. Yeah. Do we worry? I mean, how much do we worry about the Suns? I'm worried because Chris Paul's age. If you expect him to carry the, I think in any given game, mm -hmm. he's going to deliver. I don't think he can deliver every game. Well, what did I tell you last time? It was I was not worried. I was fine with them in game three. I was worried about them in game four because I was worried about Chris Paul with the quick turnaround. And they won game three. They lost game four. 
So I guess the theory would hold up that I'm okay with them here in game five. And I worry about them for game six. Uh, I, I, I think that the, the count of days yeah, off matters. I, I worry about them against the Warriors for sure. Yeah, um, but obviously they're going to be, in theory, they would be healthy at that point. Yes, which I am very much hoping so we can get as a fan yeah. an incredible series. If Phoenix is healthy and they play a healthy Golden State, Game's going to home court's going to be in Phoenix. What do you make the number? So Phoenix is seven for power rating Golden State. I'm going to make them six. So I'm going to make Phoenix a one one point better, which would equate to them being minus 200 approximately, I think, in the series. Do you feel like that that's what the market would be? I think it'd be closer to 150. I don't. It depends what the market's evaluation of Booker is. Is he 100% mm-hmm. or is he playing at 80%? I, by, by a whole other there's a series and a half to go before they even play, yeah. if they play. I think Phoenix would be minus 200. Booker's 100%. AJ, what do you got? I, I think minus 150 or less. Oh, yeah. So you think that the Golden State's the better team? I do. McKenzie? I would have it at 130. Warriors plus 150. It's so funny because he came up during, like, he was a kid. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. Whoa, whoa. McKenzie just said he'd have it minus 130 plus 150. I would like to bet both of those <laughs> right now. <laughs> so say, say your numbers again. I think the Suns would be minus 130 favorites, so obviously. Plus 110? Would be plus 110. Uh, McKenzie probably would have a 30-cent straddle. Who are we kidding? He's a 30-cent straddle kind of guy. You know, the MGM's stealing a 30-cent straddle on, on the USFL. Side in total. All right, last question. We're finishing NBA here. Fez, what story haven't we talked about in the NBA that you most are interested in? Same question to Scott. The Boston path, because all along I've been talking about, oh, Boston's screwed. They're going to play this war against Brooklyn, and that's going to put them at a disadvantage the rest of the playoffs. And boom, four games in. Guess who's going to get the most rest? It's the Boston Celtics. I think that's huge. Now, is this a confidence booster? Yes. Is it mentally taxing, though? You could make the case they had a lot of really tight, tough games. Now, the break should help them. But, yeah, I agree with you. And you got to wonder about the Suns, even if they do pull this out. I mean, there's there's good, there's injuries, miles, you know, stress, I mean, for all these teams. And Boston's just sailing along. Even Milwaukee had some stress against Chicago and obviously the injury as well. If you could have any team right now, you win 10,000 if they win the title, who do you take? Celtics. Wow. AJ takes Golden State. Same question to you, Scott, and then any one last storyline. I think – oh, who would I take before the storyline? Mm-hmm. Who would I take as the Warriors? Um, so you think they're the, be- the, the, the favorite? You got them yeah. as the best? All right. So the, the storyline that I think we're maybe not talking about is – are we forgetting about the Miami Heat? It seems there's a little bit of... Are they in the playoffs? I, I, I don't know. No one's talking about them. This is just the number one seed in the Eastern Conference that is about to finish a quick series against their first-round opponent. And w- w- do we not just give them any type of love they, at all? They feel like uh, a team that's not... If it wasn't for their pedigree, it feels like a team not built for the playoffs. It's depth. Yeah. Do I mean, is Butler your score down the stretch? And has he proven? And here's the thing we can't forget. And Tatum is going to be an interesting question. I'm going to have to find a better way to phrase this question. So bear with me. But it's one of the greatest players of all time. And however you define that, has been on every championship team almost. 
since 79-80. You think about it, Magic, Bird, Jordan. Now, um, you know, with this, with the Pistons, Isaiah makes that, okay? Obviously, Jordan after that. Okay, Hakeem those two years. Oh, phenomenal. I mean, uh, Hakeem those two years played as well as anyone but Jordan I've ever seen play the game. Then, Then we go to Duncan. Uh, you know, with all the Spurs wins, we got the Lakers and Kobe and Shaq with all those wins. Shaq on the 04 Miami team, uh, 04, 05, I think. And now we got the Dallas with Dirk, I don't think meets that criteria. The Pistons in 2003 don't meet that criteria. I'm going by the right. four. Say it again? 2004. Oh, thank you. And we can debate one or two others, but it kind of doesn't even matter at this point. I mean, listen, anyone think 83 76ers doesn't know how good Moses Malone was on that team. He was the MVP was one of the best seasons anyone's ever had. I'd make that same argument for Dirk. I'd, I would put Dirk on one of, on the same list that you're talking Dirk about. Never felt like Dirk felt like he was to me. always felt like he was a counter puncher. He didn't feel like he was the guy that would take over. He again. was a wussy, wouldn't get into the paint. Always did, 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 like like <laughs> like like jumping, wussy, you said. jumping back, doing the Reggie Miller, kicking a leg backwards so no one could block Yet him. Yet somehow he scored more points in his career than Wilt Chamberlain. That pussy. Yeah, from the perimeter, your European perimeter. Well, you a big Carl Malone fan? I mean, well, as a human, no. Why not? What did he do wrong as a uh, human? He's had relations with women younger than appropriate. Oh, is that right? How <laughs> old were they? In Utah? No way. Uh, no, this was pre-Utah. This was oh. back in Louisiana. Well, how old was he? I don't. I'll have to look up the exact he age. He went to Utah when he was like twenty-two. So that like, he was twenty and was with a seventeen-year-old. Because people in glass houses, and I'm not throwing stones, is what I'm saying. Uh, she was thirteen. Oh, oh. Mm. In Louisiana? Yeah. And how old was he? Um, 18. You know, speaking of unders. How did I know that? Did it just, did it, that's good. Did that just come out or was that? No, known it's to, an old story. But for, like back when contemporaneous to his career? Yeah. These, how, N- these NBA unders are starting to add up. I think we've got like a surplus of. Oh, 20. Uh, he was 20. I was wrong. Oh, 20. And he had a child with her. Mm-hmm. Where's that child at today? I don't know. <laughs> and any theories, RJ? Why the obviously we saw the six unders in the play-in games, mm-hmm. um, but uh, even since then, there's been more unders than overs. What's changed this year? You know, maybe these teams had it so easy in the when they, when they played in the bubble, and there was no there's no fans throwing ice at them and screaming at them. I don't know. You know, it's. I think the elite players today focus on defense more, and you see the intensity step up. Now, obviously, like Trey Young's an, not an example of that, but in general, these players, and Giannis obviously leading the way, it feels like they respect defense more. I also think that offensively, there is an issue um, with just strategy. And Stan Van Gundy talked about it on the broadcast the other day that too many times, especially teams with a lead, hold the ball. And don't get into an offensive set until about seven seconds in the shot clock, and then wind up settling for a bad shot. Hero ball. And wind up settling for a bad shot. Even Boston Boston did that game four. Yes. That they they almost let Brooklyn back into the game. They were so conservative. And the announcers said, you know, Boston's strategy appears to be to try to run out the clock. Yeah. So it's happening a lot in the playoffs where you have a lead, and it's like, all right, I'm going to milk the shot clock down here, and then I'll get into my offensive set. 
eight, seven seconds left in the shot clock. You set up for a bad shot. You miss. Leads to a rebound. And then I think that's what, as opposed to these teams that are in the regular season, would not play that way, that would get into their offensive systems or push the ball and try and score because everyone's trying to put up numbers and stats and, and get records in the regular season. So that's why I think unders might be more prevalent here. And you talk about players taking that mantle, making defense more of their part of their identity. I thought it was notable Luka Doncic after game five only talked about defense. He said that was our best defensive game of the season. That's why Jason Kidd came in here. That's why we're going to win. So here's the question. We talked about having to be an all-time great. Who currently in the playoffs meets that criteria? Curry. Okay, agreed. Obviously, uh, Giannis does. Oh, completely. Right. Yes. I mean, the Joker does, but forget about that. Uh, does Chris Paul? Yes. He's mm-hmm. been up because he's been so unlucky in these playoffs. You, you that, what does that have to do? A lot of it was injuries where he couldn't even play. You yeah, know? Chris, Chris Paul isn't even. We're not talking about. We're talking about right now. How good is he? Like LeBron would still meet it, but like probably in a year or two he wouldn't. Well, you said all time greats. No, I'm saying mm. this At the time. year. Yeah, like if if Jordan was on, okay, if the Washington yeah. team made it. Uh, the, fair enough. So Chris Paul doesn't belong. James Harden. He's not in the playoffs right now. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He is. You wouldn't know it from watching the games, but James Harden right now, you wouldn't say is an all-time. Oh, He's under obviously. contract oh, with okay. the Philadelphia 76ers, barely. All right, so let's think about this a second. Does James Harden meet that criteria? Bird, Magic, Harden, Jordan. No, I don't feel You, it. you know, Embiid isn't. And, and the way Harden's playing now, I think Embiid. Embiid's, incre- Embiid's incredible. If Embiid had been like. If, if he had a title, I'd be saying, oh, well, he's... Well, no, forget titles. Yeah, forget titles. Right. We're saying, how good... Are they a dominant force? Are they an MVP, if, top three MVP? If you're counting Isaiah Thomas from the Pistons, then you have to count James Harden. I'm, I think James Harden in his prime. How, how, what, what kind of show is this player? Then you would say the same thing about Kevin Durant. No. Up until... I, I don't... I, dude, at some point... You gotta hear what the consensus is. Durant, ten days ago, was considered the best player in the NBA by a lot of people, serious people. I don't. I, this series makes you question it, but no one's dropping him out of three or four. I mean, like right now, if, if you were making a list, Durant's in your top three or four, right? He's one. He, Giannis is one, yeah. and he's two. If, if I got, well, I, I can, I can, I, if I can name one player that I can have on my team, snake draft next year, mm-hmm. one year. Those are the two I want. Durant. Yeah. I'd take Jokic before Durant. Really? Yeah, for one year even. But let, I'd take it's him third. Cl- yeah. But I, I am – listen, he had a really bad series. So I'm not saying you're wrong, AJ, but you're going against consensus. I mean, certainly Durant would meet that criteria. So, all right, so we got Embiid. We've got the Joker, but okay. We got Steph. Doesn't that maybe make Phoenix not a viable team? Though it does feel like Phoenix could be a Detroit type team because because Chris Paul is so special as a leader. And the, the old sum of the parts, you know, that they but they, that doesn't they, usually they happen. So yeah, you're right. Like, but does anyone else, does but does Tatum make it? Does Trey Young? You no, know, you know no, what it is. The, tr- the truth is, this is a year where there's. You know the Lakers got injured and they had the bad chemistry. Hey, Trey Same Young with Brooklyn. Is, I think he'll make third team All NBA, but he may not. Oh, I don't think highly of Trey Young. I just didn't know what the consensus was. Mm-hmm. It's a year where the superstars had bad luck and bad team 
com, um, composition and it's opened the door. Uh-huh. It's it's there's no dominant team. Someone has to win. So okay, that's we, that's what's happened. Named, we just named Steph. We just named Embiid. Mm-hmm. We uh, Jan or or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Giannis. Right. So we got three teams right there. And now the question is, let's go back. And to now they all got injuries and issues. It, it doesn't matter. What I'm saying is history tells us it's going to be a player like that that wins it. You can't win it without a player like that. True, but or history— It's very hard to win it History also says it's very hard to win a title when your, your team gets injured and your key components are missing. Except if you're Brooklyn. But, or at least they can get close. <laughs> but, 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 but I guess my question would be how long— So Middleton, what's the prognosis there? Reevaluated in two weeks. But what's the prognosis, uh, McKenzie? Like, what do you expect? I think he comes back in three weeks, usually. Yeah, I, I mean, it's They're strikes... already going to be eliminated by Boston. Maybe. And that's an interesting point. One last time I'm going to ask, does Tatum meet this criteria? I don't think he does. Not that. yet, no. But if he, he takes him to the finals, he, maybe he, yeah. he does. He will. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Because he, here's the other thing. The Celtics that won it last time, was Pierce the best? Is Tatum as good as Pierce right now? Oh, yeah. So if we're counting, I don't know if that's not one that it is a sum of the parts. I don't know if KG, I don't know. Who is anyone an all-timer? There? I mean, when I say all-timer, I mean top, like, 12 player in the No, no. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if you think of the players we're giving that criteria, mm-hmm. saying they're top 12 type players of all time. But some of it is self, not self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of it is selection bias because once you win it, it's easier to get that reputation. In Correct. No one would say Giannis top 12 of all time if he didn't have a Ooh. ring. Correct. Oh, without a ring. Without, okay, without yeah. a win, yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's shift gears. You only got a few minutes, right? Let's talk any NFL draft that you're most interested in. Yeah, I think this report with the Jets and Mekhi Becton is so interesting because so that? That, uh, the Athletic is reporting that they are hearing from sources around the league that people believe that Mekhi Becton's time in the Jets uniform is done. Which, if that's true, then the Jets would be taking an offensive lineman here, especially a tackle, with the fourth overall selection. So whether it's uh, Iki Okwonu sure um, or, or not. What are you saying? Like that, that would be something that, it, to me, is so interesting because I had, I had the Jets taking Sauce Gardner at four overall. So if this rumor is true and Makai Becton will not be on the Jets anymore – then you got to think that if Aquonu's there at th- at four, then the Jets will take him. Yeah, J- the on DraftKings they've got exact position of a first player drafted by teams, and the Jets are tough because they've got two picks in the top ten. So it, it, this is the first guy that they take. Uh, defensive lineman, edge rusher plus one twenty five, offensive line plus three hundred, defensive back plus three hundred, receiver plus three fifty. So I would sprinkle probably like a half unit on both. Offensive lineman and defensive back. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what, what are the odds on those two? Both, three to one. Both plus three hundred. Okay, but what's the chance that they take Gardner? I, I, I think it's very good. I think it's, I, I think, well, now with this, give me a percentage. Oof! I honestly thought it would be six seventy before the uh, sauce before this Makai Becton move, because the way that I had my mock draft going, and who cares about my mock draft? But <laughs> I had the edge rushers going one, two, three. And then the Jets going with a cornerback. And my thought process is defensive coach, two picks in the top 10, wide receiver is going to be taken at 10, right? 
if they're not getting the top edge rusher, then you get the elite cornerback that can cover Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill in that division. So that's why I thought that Sauce Gardner, who has been picking up all this steam, you're hearing all this rumors about under four, five and a half, all, you know, all this stuff for Sauce and Gardner. Ev- and everyone's talking about he's the true worthy of being number one yes. guy in the draft. Yes. And then, I think there's something to be said when that when that narrative goes out. It's to, me, it safe was, pick to me, it was Sauce GM. Gardner to the Jets. That was my pick. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at plus 325 for a cornerback to be the first pick for the Jets. Mm. But now that I saw this... This report from Dane Brugler of The Athletic about the Mackay Becton stuff, it has me questioning everything because if you're going to trade Mackay Becton and, or release him or whatever, then, yes, you're going to take an offensive tackle, fourth overall. I think it's safer to just take Sauce Gardner under five and a half, which you can still get. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to win that even if the Jets don't take him. Hey, Price? Uh, minus 135. Thank you. I would do it. Yeah. And Here's then you, my... can tra- you can take the Jets O-lineman. Three to one, also. Mm-hmm. With the, when there's, frankly, there's three good ones. One of them might be gone. Yeah, right. And there's going to be, you know, so two I think left. if the if the tech the Texans pick is the most interesting because we expect. What's well, well, AJ? You had something. I was gonna say my worry about that pick is what I heard about the Texans today yes. that the the Texans the most likely scenario for the Texans is Derek Stingley at three, which I think makes it more pressing for the Jets to take Sauce Gardner. I think then you're talking the other, about players that are like that are higher rated on boards because now the Texans have passed on one of the perceived top guys. Uh huh. Well, now, hold on though, Stingley. There's a there's a contingent that is a, and again, I'm going by PFF's analysis, but not last year or not this most recent year, not the year before, but the year before that, the national championship year, yep. I guess. They they say maybe the best year a cornerback's ever had. No doubt, he was fantastic. So now the question is. Has the COVID been the issue, or is it lack of love of football? Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of upside versus performance. It feels with the cornerback debate, but I, I think it's a it's a it's a valid debate. Mm-hmm. And we also have the James Salinas story about trying to get the bet in on Kayvon Thibodeau. So then now you wonder if the Texans are going to take Stingley at three. Where the heck does Thibodeau go? Do the Jets grab him at four? And if the Jets don't grab him at four, where does he fall? <laughs> The Giants could still be interested in, a, in, a rush, in an edge rusher. Seahawks at nine, you know? Like, Well, let's talk about Thibodeau for a second. I think he's the most polarizing guy in this draft. And he, I think that – I think a lot of people has got this wrong. So the way it's been framed right now is he was the number one projected pick at a certain point back – and then because he didn't love football, that he likes cryptocurrency or whatever, <laughs> that the meatheads are saying, wait a minute, this guy's got interest other than football? Downgrade him. And he didn't have great film this year either. Okay. Here's what I think is happening. And this is coming from PFF again. And again, they got multiple shows. And I listen pretty closely around the draft especially. They're saying that a couple NFL GMs told them and it was the show. I, the main, my main show is the NFL show, the one with um, not the gambling show. And they were saying how you guys had it wrong all along. Thibodeau. Oh, I'm sorry. How do you pronounce his name again? Kayvon Thibodeau. 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 Yep. He, um, I'm thinking about the coach and it's right. throwing me off for a second. What they're saying is we never had him that high. That where it seems like he's dropping to as you're actually talking to mm-hmm, scouts mm-hmm. and GMs is where we've always mm-hmm. had him. You guys had him high, and like we haven't really changed on him. And and he has been 
in that four to eight range or four to 10 range. So in a weird way, all of these analysts who aren't really nothing when you really think about it, because they're not scouting, they're, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're talking about it. For, I mean, what I mean is they're not on the inside. I'm not saying they're nothing. They're not on the inside. They thought, boy, we think these guys, this Thibodeau looks good. Look at this. Look at this grade. If they were really good, they'd be working. Let's be honest. You're usually going to be working for the NFL if you have that as an option, right? You're not at the NFL network if an NFL team would mm -hmm. want you to be the assistant GM or something. It doesn't mean they don't have good insight. It just means the guys that really matter have stepped up and said he's not quite as good. So any of this sense that it's falling and it offers value, I question it. I think maybe it's where he's supposed to be. Any thoughts on that? I, I agree. And what I, I, you know, I talked to one of those guys and he said sort of the similar thing that no one was ever really looking at Thibodeau as the number one pick in the draft. And I, I think what you're saying is, is pretty spot on. He was probably more of a five to eight guy all along, but because at the beginning of the college football season, he was a name that people knew and people grabbed onto that's the guy that people just assumed was the de facto guy. And there's always changes in this. Rarely is there a guy who this, he's going to be the number one pick. The college football season happens. Yep. He's still the number Where's one. Spencer pick. Rattler going. <laughs> I don't <South> know. Carolina. <laughs> so, so to me, last thing on it, the narrative with uh, AJ and his liberal friends in the media, when they say things like, well, it's, they're being closed minded. You can have eclectic taste. And everyone's like pro Thibodeau mm -hmm. in the, in the media because they feel like he's somehow been oppressed because he's not supposed to like cryptocurrency. I think it's all just a canard. Canard. Mm-hmm. Luke Kennard? <laughs> okay. Anything else? So uh, Scott brain dumped on us. Anything else odds-wise you'd want to kind of augment what he was saying? You know, I don't have anything on Thibodeau, but I, w I will say for the most part, there's been, and we spoke about this before, very little um, change in direction in terms of if you've just been following the past like five or six days, object in motion has remained in motion in terms of— Is that Newton? Play, yeah, players. Players that are that are, have been dropping, um, that that are less in favor, drop further. And players that are in favor, they just keep getting more and more expensive to go under. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, there, there hasn't been reversals like I've seen in some other drafts. So um, very interesting that there, there's no like case where I'd say three days ago I like this guy to go over, and now I like him to go under. That's well, just we're still not happening. Eight hours before the draft. Yeah. Right. What time will the books close the market? Five o'clock? Five o'clock Wednesday, 24 hours before you cannot bet in Nevada Vegas. Nevada books. Nevada, Nevada books. books. Yes. Yes. Because I am having a very important conversation tomorrow with somebody who I trust more than anything when it comes to this draft stuff. I, I so think the, I, I need to plan that conversation before before four four thirty. I think the one exception, Fez, is, is Derek Stingley because his number, you could it was like nine and a half, over under nine and a half. And if if he's booming the way that I'm hearing he's booming, then clearly, you know, if he's still talking about top three, then I'll, I agree. All the money has been on Stingley to go into the top ten. So he's just in the pet. Now, maybe that wasn't the case a week ago, but the last four or five days when I've really focused on this, it's been very pro Stingley. Last thing for me, and then we'll let Scott make any last comments. And thanks for the time again, Scott. Is and by the way. His show, let's take another quick gander at that. Well, why not I do this? I'll, I'll get it ready. It's called The Look Ahead, right? <laughs> and it's on VEASAN. And uh, your Twitter handle is Scott's On Air. Yep. No apostrophe? 
I don't think so, but who knows? With Elon, <laughs> we could do anything. I'm still trying Washington. to find AJ's. It's too complicated. Some <laughs> AJ is the real. AJ is the real. What? What did he reject to choose that one? AJ twenty eight fifty four fifty four fifty seven. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My point is this. Position value is something you've got to consider. We're talking about a cornerback at three. Hmm. When I mean, we we know that uh, what was it, Ukuda or whatever the high Jeff state, Okuda. yeah, mm-hmm. went uh, Detroit. That hasn't worked out, but okay, that's one example. But how often? Who's the top drafted cornerbacks of all time? Mm. Right, Ramsey went high. Right, would he go four? Kenzie, maybe pull a list on that. Is in general, it's left hat or it's tackles and edge rushers, it's edge right? rushers, and quarterbacks, Quarterback. and now. Wide receivers have surged, but cornerbacks are the new wide receiver. Orange is the new black. Oh, right? they guard the wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but in a way, there is talk that, hey, why shouldn't a cornerback maybe go? Because, you know, PFF believes that cornerbacks are more important than edge rushers. The, the last handful of uh, corners to go in the top five, Denzel Ward before Okuda, Denzel Ward in 2018. Four. Four, mm-hmm. Jalen Ramsey, uh, 2016, fifth. Patrick Peterson, 2011, uh, went fifth. And then then you have to go back to 2003, Terrence Newman went fifth. So in 20 years, there's been like four. And and none of them had above four is the highest? Four is the highest. So this so at three would be the highest cornerback. Since this 1997, Who Sean Springs. From Ohio State. From Ohio State. Went third of the Seahawks. And there's another great corner. The Ohio State University. And and by all accounts, you know, Gardner is like one of the best cornerbacks we've seen, you know, in years. Wow. But, I mean, the Denver cornerback last year was, was, uh, what was his name again? The Denver corner? J.C. Horn? No, he went to Carolina. Patrick Sertan. Yeah, Sertan. Mm. I mean, he was highly regarded. Yeah. I'm not sure who's higher. What I know for sure is the receivers last year were more highly regarded than this year. What do you got? Uh, all right. So let's, Scott, last, pick one last draft topic. One last draft topic for me. If you got it. Yeah. You got anything good? No. Nah. All right. We, we Nothing should, that we haven't covered. Admitting it's better. Yeah. All right. Not going to make something up. Appreciate it, my man. I appreciate you. See. No, you. How, <laughs> how, how am I the man if you're the man? <laughs> See you next week. Later. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole kind of, uh, what was that? Uh, was it syphilis or typhoid? Or what were they? The Tuskegee experiments? Yeah. I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, if you just go along with that, if you just say, hey, what am I supposed to do, so, government so man? Explain that real good. quick. So in the 1930s, I believe, there was a. Well, why don't you look it up real quick? Yeah. Go ahead, AJ. I don't understand why the why the vaccine is a race issue. I it, I don't understand how it like it's him doing something for the black man. And I'm maybe not, I'm just not saying it's what he believes. And obviously, listen, he suffered for it, didn't he? Sure. So I mean, it, and his teammates suffered for it. Yeah, but if but someone, if Kyrie was white, I'd feel the same way. It does like. It, but but it's it's all it's about Kyrie as well. I mean, this is a guy who, in the past, has been known as a knucklehead. We're talking about the the earth is flat. Uh, yes, I'm going to sign in Boston and doesn't sign in Boston. Oh, uh, different things over the course of his tenure with LeBron James, so right? Do doesn't want to be second fiddle to when LeBron. When you talk about Nick Saban, do you say, I'm going to here be coaching in Miami and then he, or, and he's I'm just the next drawing day? a pattern of behavior that rubs people the wrong way. 
And because it's Kyrie Irving and not just player A who is dealing with the, the vaccine worries, it was a bigger deal, and he took a bigger hit because of who he is. And I'm saying, is it fair? It's fair if you disagree with the vaccine. I'm not saying you do or don't. It's fair if you disagree with his stance on the vaccine. It To me, it's all you can do is say, I'm going to do what I think is right, and I will suffer the consequences for those decisions. Mm-hmm. It feels like Kyrie has done that. And unless we think he gained, like to me, the case could be made with Kaepernick that at a certain point he had more money to make and more fame to gain as a protester than as a, as a player. Yes. To me, you can question him at that point because he's not suffering in a way. Mm-hmm. Now, we can all debate at what point wasn't he a great quarter or a good enough quarterback, but I think the case could be made certainly now he's better off as a protester. Now, you could say, well, that's because all the years he missed. But I don't think there's any way to say Kyrie's better off for this stance. So he must believe it. Right? Sure. And thus, I, I think when it comes, but let's get a quick update, or not an update, but some detail from McKenzie on this. Go ahead, McKenzie. Yeah, so the Tuskegee experiments were started in 1932. And McKenzie, if you don't mind, a little closer to the mic and speak up a little bit. Okay, yeah. So 400 black men in 1932 were selected for this experimental study in which they were infected with syphilis. And this went on till 1972. The key detail here is that in 1947, the world discovered that penicillin, penicillin could cure you know, syphilis at a young, at, a, at an early stage. None of these men were given that penicillin. They were not told that this was a treatable disease and they were led to suffer. Well, they were given the disease. Exactly. Yeah. This is like Mengele. It's, it's his, I mean, it's the worst thing in the 20th century that I can think of. Well... There was a in Holocaust. Yeah, in I mean, you know, you know yeah, fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I guess there was that last season of Three's Company, but okay. It, <laughs> Holocaust, last season of Three's Company. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. But for my last comment is it, it kind of makes sense that if you don't trust the system, do you really want the system? Maybe it's not crazy to say the system shouldn't be injecting me with some mystery substance. That's, I mean, that was Kyrie's point. Whether he communicated that well is, is debatable, but he said, I don't care about the vaccine. I care about the mandate. I can't get down with it. And I don't know. I mean, personally, I got vaccinated, but I didn't get the booster. And I'm not, you know, because I got, because I caught a little touch of, I think, I never really got it verified, but what was that element that was the easy uh, one? Uh, Omicron. Was that the easy one? That wasn't yeah, yeah, Omicron, yeah. Yeah, when I got that, I think I got that, but I was no sicker than I was when I took the vaccine. Mm. And so my thinking was, well, how? I, I've just had it, and apparently that bestowed antibodies were... The, the one, the Delta didn't or whatever. But again, that's what the doctors are saying. I don't know. And I didn't. So I'm kind of in the middle, I guess. Like, I'm happy I got the first, you know, vaccine. But I, but because, like, I'll give you an example. What seems crazy to me about the vaccine was they say by all accounts, if you get it, that, the, I mean, the whole herd immunity was you get it and it makes you immune at least for some time, right? Right. But people that were, anyone going to colleges, anyone going anywhere, 
they had to get the vaccine even if they had it because they couldn't prove that they had it. Sure. So they, but they said the double that the dose of the vaccine was actually not necessarily. A, they said we don't even know what it's going to do necessarily. Mm-hmm. They didn't think it was going to hurt people, but it was a big unknown. So if you have hundreds of thousands of people, kids going to college, all of them having to get vaccinated, even if they got it. It's the government saying, we can't really get particular to people. We're going to be painting wide swaths of mandates. And you know what? I don't want to be caught up into their Excel spreadsheet, right? Now, lucky enough, I didn't have to. But you can kind of see that being problematic, don't you think? I think everything, you know, beliefs aside, uh, science aside, I think a lot of things that people had problems with was just the restrictions. I mean, we're talking about... Kyrie Irving specifically, at one point, was able to be in the Barclays Center, was able to sit in the crowd without wearing a mask, but was not able to play on the court with his teammates. But then he went in the locker room and got in trouble. Yes, then goes in the locker room and gets in trouble. So I think that— It was hypocritical. It wasn't— Eventually, it wasn't sitting on a logical basis. Correct. Mm -hmm. And and even a Bill Simmons, who is, you know, generally comes off pretty left to me politically— he was like saying this doesn't make any sense. Like, like you got to have your mask on, but then when you start eating, it's okay. No. I think at that point, people might have, I don't want to say come around to Kyrie's side, but kind of lessened their yeah, no, anti-Kyrie I, stance. I think that, except for AJ. No, he. he uh, I was with you, I was with Bill Simmons, and I thought that didn't make any sense. But you still I, were against AJ, or I, I'm sorry, against Kyrie. I just think Kyrie. Uh, listen, I, I think that when you're part of a team. You, there are times where you put the team first, and Kyrie put himself first. But I guess the question is beliefs over team or not. Like, I mean, like, is this a religious th- thing? Is that what we're talking here? Well, no, it's a. It's or is a, it like, do I, I mean, believe it, doctors? Is that was I, I'm, was Ali religious? What, was, yes. Well, it was why he was a pacifist, but his stance wasn't about. It, it, his effect. I don't think there's many. I mean, you make an interesting point. It it was motivated by that, but it. The effect it had on his people or on Americans wasn't about the religion, I think. It was about his beliefs, right? I mean, like Martin Luther King was obviously Reverend Martin Luther King, but was he a, a, a religious leader or was he a political leader? I think he was both. I don't think he was a religious leader. I, I, then we disagree. I mean, in what way was he a religious leader? He, he didn't care if you were— um, I don't know. Was he Baptist? I don't know. He, he, I mean, he actively preached even while he was while he was doing, you know, well, his political you, you're work. You're saying because of the the staccato of his voice, uh, the, the way he delivered, he sounded like a preacher. I mean, what do you mean he, he wasn't doing homilies? No, but I mean, he he worked in churches. As well, yeah, he was. He's a reverend, or was a reverend. But I guess what I'm saying is, if if um, uh, Pat Robinson would have been elected president, he wouldn't have been. Reverend Pat Robinson, he would have been President Pat Robinson, right? Sure. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think the religious stuff really. I guess my last question would be this: You don't at all see where that if you were in a culture that had been oppressed and the government. I mean, I'll tell you this right now, and Mackenzie, you know a lot. You know, I've got. A, I know a few black people, but I don't know as many as you. Is if you tell people today the government says X. Whatever it is you say, it feels like at least a majority are going to say, nah, I don't believe that. Yeah, not my government. I mean, it's like it's literally if if the the government says the sky's blue, people aren't going to – I'd say 55 percent of the black community is not going to believe it. Yeah, 
we're wondering why you're telling us that it's blue more than we're wondering whether it's blue or not. And my question is, is it really unfair of them to be skeptical of this government? I'm not sure. I think it's probably pretty fair. And that's them giving you saying, take this. But you were in the service. You're used to like, I mean, and I respect the hell out of that. But like, you are, had to take a bunch of shots, right? I got, I got loaded up with vaccinations for things I never would have possibly needed. But what's funny is a lot of the guys that I served with, you, if you, the guys that I've kept up with, you see them on social media. I'm not taking this shot. The government tells me to. I'm like, bro, I was there when they stuck you with a shot in case you went to Angola one day and you just you sucked it up and took it. Now all of a sudden, there's an actual threat out here, and you're like, ah, no, not me. I'm not doing that. No way. But don't you think the fact that they, the I, most like sleepy, uh, sleepy Jay in the forums, and he works for us, you know, with the pod and everything. Is you know he was in the Marines and the Army, right? And I think one stint each. I, I'm not sure. Uh, might it be two and one of them? And I would say the stuff that he was inclined, he had to do there. He rebels against now more. Like he hates being on. Had to be somewhere at a given time because he was always about regimented. I think a lot of people in the service rebel against that regimentation after. Maybe so. I mean, right? I mean, you know the people. I think a lot of people who serve end up being very conservative politically, and this became a political issue. That conservatives fell on the side of I'm not doing this, so that's what it that's what it came down to for them. Now I've been joking for a while that you're a radical liberal from Texas. When are you going to have a stance that proves disproves me? I, there's a lot more guns at my house than there is at yours, RJ. I can tell you that now. I do have a Glock 19. Oh wow! I, I've got probably I, I, seven handguns at my house right now. Damn, you're worked up, dude. That's okay? right. I'm you're good. Okay? Yeah, I'm an angry gun-toting, uh, <laughs> red-blooded American. That's right. Get this man a Budweiser. <laughs> hey, let's try this. Make your case now. His mic's off. I'm gonna let it rest for a minute. I think he needs a timeout. What do you think, Fess? The irony is that AJ, without any um, firearms, is a very dangerous man. So the fact <laughs> you mean with his lack of logic, no, with his MM, <laughs> with his UFC, excuse me, with his MMA training and the like, uh, I'm afraid. I don't know about you. Uh, you're on probation. How was your jujitsu class? I'm very sore. You should have heard him. He goes, um. I go, what kind of what belt are you? Because I'm a purple belt. I goes, almost a black belt, though. No, I did not say that. <laughs> no. You said I'm more than halfway to a black belt. Oh, it is halfway to a black but belt. There's a whole belt in between, right? There is. How can you be more than halfway? Because I there's two belts before purple belt. Like purple belts literally halfway to Oh, you mean to black halfway belt. from it, like when you a little kid, like on like the karate kid. But is it linear? In other words, is it like 80% of the people have purple belts and it's really hard to be become a black I belt? I think it's logarithmic. Mm. Poisson distribution. I don't know what logarithmic means, so I, I'm I'm just uh, giving silence on this one. But you could shoot logarithmically, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But you got so many guns, maybe. I do have plenty of guns. Huh. Does that I mean does that not the uh devalue you calling me a liberal does that not uh disprove it i was just startled at how adamant you were like your spit was flying i go for me call 19 i ain't shit well, you call me a liberal i mean it, it's dude you got some liberal beliefs i i do I, I I I used to call yourself a libertarian. I think I'm more libertarian than you well and, uh, tell me one position i have that isn't purely libertarian how many times have you voted libertarian well, is that being a libertarian? Libertarians, by I, definition, I think are, believing that the, I, I think believing that you, you not kowtowing to one party or the other is very libertarian. No, I don't think that. Well, 
Well, first off, you didn't ask how many times did I vote for the Democrats or how many times did I vote for the Republicans. I didn't. Okay. So I've never voted for a Democrat. I've only voted for a Republican one time, President Ronald Reagan in 1980. Or no, I guess 88. I don't remember who I... I guess that was the first time I could vote. I voted in that election, but I, it would have had to be Bush. No way was I voting for Mondale. Oh, wait, it wasn't Dukakis. Mondale. It was Dukakis. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 remember in the tank? No way. <laughs> So th th does that does that satisfy you? What uh, it was thirty years since, or what? Yeah, thirty years since I voted for Republican, and I've never voted for a Democrat. Okay, does that meet the criteria? So anything else that's less than a hundred percent libertarian? I I, I think you're you're fairly libertarian. So, but nothing that is less than the Platonic ideal you can mention. No. But what about <sighs> me? Is um, what about you that isn't libertarian? Yeah. I didn't say you weren't libertarian. I said you were no, li you were radically liberal. That, that and those things can't be the same. Well, I I, hmm. I think that your seeming disdain for President Trump it was it seems pretty liberal. Like even like some reasonable Democrats will say, you know, he did cut some regulation. He did. say like you've never. I haven't heard you say one good word about. Have him. you heard me say one good word about Joe Biden? Sleepy Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in general, I think all politicians are assholes. Like that's just a general. Well, and I think, and 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 I think you're generally right. I I mean, let me ask you this: How would you say your political stances are now compared to when you were 21? Um, <laughs> I, I there most of them are pretty similar, I think. But the changes have moved in what direction? I, I probably lean more conservative now than I was when I was 21. In what regards? Um, in, I, I, like, I would prefer smaller government is, is probably the thing, the biggest thing. I and went, when you were 21, you were like more government. I mean, I, th I thought like all these programs and things were good for society. Things that now I, I realize that's well, probably, it's probably, uh, not helping anything. Is that because you're paying taxes now? That's probably part of it. Yeah, now you have to pay for it. And <laughs> all I mean, of a sudden paying, it's I, not as appealing, right? I, for those homeless shelters. I and started like, paying taxes when I was 17. What's the old... What's the old saying is pity the man who's a Republican when he's 20 and who's a Democrat when he's 50 or there's some saying that. Oh, said, really? Because he's never heard that. Financials have not gone well for him. Well, no, the theory is if you don't believe before you go cynical, it's mm. kind of sad. Right. And then once you have a bunch of money, the idea that with all you've seen to think that throwing money at it's going to help is kind of sad. You know, yeah. again, I'm not saying I, uh, I, j I think less government. I'm a, I'm a private sector guy. By the way, now that we're talking about this, let's go around the horn. Elon Musk buying Twitter. Thoughts? Do I care? Do you care? I'm I don't a, care. Are you asking yourself if you care? No, I'm just, it's, it's more like, a, it was more like a rhetorical question. I, I really don't care. What, how, did, how does it affect my life? Well, it, how about a game that you don't bet on? Do you care about those? No. The irony is that while you're talking about all the politics, Scott is nonstop and checking his scores. I'm sweating games. He doesn't, like, he listen, doesn't I am, care. I, am, I can tell you he does and, not and care about asks, politics. I am, I am not a very political person at all. <laughs> at all. I would actually lean – I'm more libertarian. I think yeah. less government and, and, and I'm more laissez-faire. Let the people do what they please. But as, far as, like, but as far as like <laughs> I don't care – you can be a Republican. You can be a Democrat. Have your, go ahead. Have your argument. I don't care. <laughs> no, I, I, I think in general. Here's what I care about. Will the Yankees score four runs tonight? <laughs> you know something? Here's the beauty of it. That seems narrow, but it works because his, his depth of knowledge on these things is outstanding. And, and to me, it's, 
you know, I can't care about the micro that much in sports, but that's why I try to get people around me to do. Your thoughts on Twitter? I know Elon Musk can buy every pro team in the country. Aside, oh, from, aside from that factoid, I have no information about so Elon fun, Musk, the Musk to possibly even be able to comment. <laughs> I know his kid's name is like some symbols or something, right? I don't know. Yeah. Weird. No, I don't. I, I think that might be. Um, huh. I don't think so. That's interesting. But who was that? Was it, no, I think that was Kim Kardashian, wasn't it? No, I think it's Elon Musk, right? The, the, the kid's name is like is some weird symbols or something. Yeah. I don't know. I was watching the game. Um, <laughs> AJ. Uh, I am a bit torn on it. I Oh, no way. In general, I think Twitter kind of went downhill when there was when basically there was no regulation to it. Uh, so going back to no regulation, I don't think is a great idea. Who's going to watch the watchers? Well, I, I think Twitter became it, Twitter's not what it was designed for initially like when i started on twitter i used it for news and things like that news distribution it's just not that anymore so well, i'll find something else at, for you that you don't have to look at any comments i don't so how isn't it good for distribution uh because now the, like if if you try to get into a discuss I mean, you say you don't have to look at comments but if you're if you get into a a, a, a if you start to distribute any of the news there's going to be comments but you don't have to look at them that's fine. I mean, I, I, mean do, I don't, you know. Well, the, His Twitter the, handle is at RJ in Vegas. Then Twitter doesn't matter to you. <laughs> like, I mean, do you use Twitter differently than normal people do Twitter or the average person? Twitter doesn't matter. I'm, I'm verified. What are you talking about? Okay. So how could it matter? I'm verified. I guess if you're verified, it matters then. <laughs> the Blue Check Brigade. <laughs> yeah. Mackenzie. I think the cure for hate speech is more speech. I think... There should be very little limitations on what words people can write on Twitter, and it seems like Elon Musk is uh, using his money for that mission, and that's that's cool with me. How badass is it that you can wake up one day and say, "I'm going to buy Twitter"? <laughs> you know, I'll say this: I've come to forget Twitter for a second. Give me forty seconds. You can in game. You in game bad much? Not really. I I think radio guys are talking game batting is the worst because it's like. It's like pre-flop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who do you like in the game? And it's like pre-flop. I got no one. Well, in fact, I got the one ticket to plus eleven, even though it was seven and a half. But okay. But hey, I got the worst number on this game. Know, all right, you, you, I admit it. You, I got the worst number. And you didn't mention it on air, did you? No. Yeah, your dude caught COVID. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm talking about Miami. I bet it before the Jimmy Butler news. Oh. I took minus seven. <laughs> so well, there's always a six and a half available. Scott and I were just yeah. talking about like he's got one out. He's got one out, and he think and dude thinks he's gonna win. Yeah. When the MGM has had that game at six and a half like the entire week. But listen, there's a when you have a theme song like this. But in a way, I appreciate it because he's sitting in for the casual player. He's the casual, not the casual player, but the recreational. You're, even though you're betting a lot of games, you're having fun with it. Sure. And to me, Fez, that's what you don't get. It's like, let's say you, you're went, right. let's say you went and worked out, right? You would think you did well, right, for working out? Yes. But someone would say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't do the plyometrics after you did this. You didn't stretch properly after. Like a serious weight trainer or a serious athlete would say you're doing things wrong, wrong, wrong. But the question is, is it better to do nothing or to do what you did? Right? A recreational yeah. better is choosing how much pain he wants. 
right? Because that's six and a half. Where was it? In Antigua? <laughs> I mean, you know, so again, you're. It was at the MGM Mirage. What's he going to do? He's going to spend, what, an hour 15 and he's betting 33, right? You bet 33? 33 what? To win 30. On what? Minus seven? Like a normal game. Like, what's oh. your bet? What's your unit? Oh. About a hundred or so. Yeah. So what's yeah. what's his ROI difference on the half point? Yeah, but he's two dollars. But he lives in Vegas. It's like he's had all year mm-hmm. to like get around. I'm sure he's been at an MGM does, property. Listen, what's Garth MGM? Brooks MGM Mirage, <laughs> Mandalay Bay. Fez, one thing about everyone. I am Elma J. Foot, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. It's not the same for everyone, Fez. That's true. <laughs> all right. Last thing on Elon quickly. He's a brilliant person. I mean, like, at a level, I'll be candid. I'm not sure I've listened to more than a handful of people thinking he's thinking about something I'm not even thinking about. Mm. I, I, and, and I'm saying, I don't know. He, you know, I think Christopher Hitchens was maybe at that level as a debater. He's like the one guy I really wouldn't have. He's dead now, but I wouldn't want to debate. Um, he was a great a very, very gadfly. If anyone's kind of liber- are you familiar with Hitchens? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, the God delusion. Yeah, yeah. He was very anti-religious. Uh, he actually wrote an entire book about Mother Teresa was like an evil person. <laughs> I mean, like he 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 stood by anything if he believed it. But Musk is working at that level, and he could do anything he wanted, obviously, with that intellect. And what has he done? He's worked on electric cars, but even more importantly, the batteries, because his thinking is we got more than enough sun, more than enough wind to be sustainable. We got to be able to store it efficiently. Mm -hmm. And thus the car was just a applied use of the battery. The battery is his main focus. Mm -hmm. Okay. So number one, and what is the one thing in the long term? And I am not a, a radical in any way with the environment. But I'm also one to say, hey, if it's moving in this direction, how do we stop it? I don't want to stop it in some extreme way if China's not going to. Now, you might say, well, we're going to cut off our nose to Slater's face. Well, I don't know. I, I, I just don't want to be under China's thumb. So I, I don't know. I think it's a very complicated question. But I know that if we could have less carbon emissions, it'd probably be good. You know, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's working on that with the battery and the electricity – well, that's pretty damn strong. Now, what's the second thing that is a real existential threat to civilization? Would be a, as AJ helped me with yesterday, a cataclysmic event strong. being avoided, like an asteroid or something, right, that we can't do anything about. Imagine, it might be a million to one shot, but over time it's going to happen. Right. Or it, it likely could. If we become bifurcated... There we go, Fez. You've never heard yes. that one. Mm, good work. Check that. I would have identified that. <laughs> and have one group in on Mars and one group here. All of a sudden, now Noah, even smallpox, or so, doesn't wipe out civilization. So he's doing two things in you know the SpaceX and the trip to Mars. He's doing two things in a way bigger than anyone else that is going to do more to I- increase the chance of civilization continuing then probably, I don't know, the rest of the world put together. Does that make sense to you? It, it actually does. You know what the irony would be is if an asteroid nailed Mars and it wiped out the colony there. 
Well, that's fine too. Sure. Well, it's not fine, <laughs> but but it still means one, one of us is is fine, and then we get to another planet, right? And my last thing with him would be, and what's the other greatest fear that a lot of smart people have is AI. The idea that AI will grow so fast that we can't comprehend. Once it can teach itself, which it already can with Google Alpha, I think it's called Alpha, is you, it's like it's it learned chess. It beat the best chess player, best chess computer in the world. Mm. It only knew the rules. They gave it the rules. Mm. I think it was 36 hours later, it could beat any entity in the universe. Alpha Zero is the entity. Is it, okay, yeah. Think about that, Fez. When Deep Blue, they spent years programming it against Kasparov. In Kasparov still won. Well, he won the first right. one, he lost yeah. the second one. Yeah. In 97, he lost. So, and, and that was a big deal. Today, it's like they, 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 a day and a half late, like in the time it took you to procrastinate cutting the grass, this, what do you think AI can do when you unleash it where it's running with unlimited CPUs all day and all night? What the hell is it going to come up with? Sure. I think we saw Terminator. We have a pretty good idea. Skynet. And so he's done a massive amount of lobbying to, con- to try to control AI in a way that mm-hmm. is fair. So to me, I, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't, you know, meaning I don't have Tesla stock or whatever. I just think he's a great man. I mean, I think he makes Bill Gates and Jobs look like jokes. To be, I mean, not jokes, but like in the in a hundred years, they're going to write about the guy that came up with a nice phone, mm. or the guy that maybe saved a goddamn civilization. <laughs> mm. And even if he doesn't, the fact he's putting all his energy to the, towards that, and and I know he's the richest guy in the world, but you know what? It, he would. This is what's crazy. <sighs> 2014, I think it was, he almost went bankrupt. Wow. So, I mean, like, you know, he was so... Just like Billy Walters in that Auburn game. (laughs) (laughs) Any closing thoughts on this? No, I mean, you're you're speaking well of him. I think it's deserved. The guy is, is put a lot of his time and money into bettering society. Plus, did you see Grimes? Yeah. (laughs) That, when you're wondering about me, just look at Grimes. Okay. And and the fact that she likes a slightly, you know, slightly not, you know, let's say an intellectual, yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, I, I mean, it's not going to be Grimes. I'm not going to compete with you know. Come on, that was time shifted. Fez, we got one thing to do. What do we do at the end? Hey, hey, hey! Let's be careful out there. Yes. Next Tuesday again. We'll be early. Talk to you then. 